0: Welcome to the private suite magazine interview series i'm indy advance as always and today we have a very special guest on the show his name is lucid sound driver welcome to the show my friend hi uh, okay. <laughs> hi thought,
1: sorry if i laughed on that first bit
0: I i'll cut it out okay <laughs> i heard it i didn't know what it was so maybe i'll <laughs> leave it in
1: well, I, I don't we'll, know why we'll I, I was, I was we'll expecting see. it and it was just so theatrically done like yeah
0: because <laughs> we're talking all normal one. it's like hello, hello <laughs> yeah I should do I should get paid for this
1: man, you don't get paid for
0: this? Um, no, man if it makes me feel better stream, I
1: hardly get paid for what I do either so.
0: yeah <laughs> no, I, buy, I buy a shit uh, on, the, on the live stream we on the Twitch we do that now we're playing games and stuff check it out it's, it's kind of funny um I, we we're playing brawlhalla have you ever played that
1: i have not Brawl no, it's called <laughs> brawlhalla yeah brawlhalla. it's kind of like is it's like, like super is smash is like a viking based thing because it sounds like is it something like in relation to that it's, or
0: it's like fighting games sort of like it's like smash and it's free and you should go play it it's on you can get it on steam and just join people and play them it's it's all kinds of characters and stuff it's pretty cool rayman is in there
1: I only, yeah. I only play games I have to waste my money on. right Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there, there you go. And all, especially, and they one better of the have guy- some DLC fucking loot boxes or else I'm not even about to.
0: <laughs> well, luckily, you can buy the characters. Oh, but there's fuck. There's free ones, too. But so we were playing, and then one of the guys from the magazine, he started, like, announcing what was happening in the game, like, who was fighting who and who was hitting who, and it was fucking, it was so hilarious. And then he was like, yo, Indy, do it. And I was like that <laughs> was so funny like i ended up doing it but uh i was laughing so much i don't even know what i said it was like just announcer stuff i can't even think of it right now i'll have to i'll have to um get our friend that was rose rosette for anybody that knows him that listens to the show um yeah we're doing a lot of live streams so check it out anyway back to you my friend how are you how's everything in your life going on?
1: good i'm just feeling yo so have you been playing Death Stranding at all?
0: Oh, I didn't know it came out.
1: Are you? Oh fuck, mate! I don't have a PS4. Is, is it on PC? Uh, it will be coming to PC. I think it's gonna be like um, I want to say. I want to say it's only a couple months. I could be totally off base, but I think it's only a couple months if I'm not mistaken. It's gonna All right, be to cool, you, sweet. So is I'll say this about the don't game. Don't spoil it. No, no, I'm not gonna spoil. I Shit. Hate spoilers. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Like I'm not gonna spoil anything story-wise uh what i was gonna say is there's a lot of weird debate going on with the game right now you know you hear a lot of people because it's a weird game man and the reviews are either like this is an art piece this is the epitome of art creation and using video games as a medium and then you have the side that's like this is boring it's piss like and so like and i can't really be too hard on either side because i mean personally i think it's amazing game and but this is coming from someone who's more into arts games like i fucking spent four hundred and twenty dollars on a copy of lsd dream emulator
0: oh that's a great game the guy the the guy who created the magazine matt that's his like his favorite game
1: oh yeah dude i had to buy the game like (laughs) it's funny because when people know what i paid for that game i think that's first time i've ever actually publicly said how much i paid for it but uh, that's a lot
0: for ps1 copy right
1: yeah, and yeah, I mean it's yeah, got right. the Obi strip, it's got the original postcard with it. Um Nice. But
0: have you played the, the other games by that guy? I forget what they're
1: Oh fuck. They're I'm called. trying to think. Um oh fuck me. Yeah, there's a couple, uh uh I can't think, man. This is so dumb because I I'm really into a song though. And I can't think of these games. And they're I mean they're they're just as weird, but they're like PC ports okay if if you're friends into weird uh ps1 games man tell them to check out this game called germs Neurowatcha something but just tell them to just just tell them to look up germs ps1 okay well one thing that's nuts about it dude it's a true open world game uh and it it actually introduced a lot of characteristics that wouldn't come into games for fucking years like for instance grand theft auto man, how you could drive in a car and how you can pan your vision to the left or right of the vehicle while you're driving right this game was doing that shit back in, like, fucking 90... What is it? Like, 95 90, or 96?
0: Yeah, 97. Yeah.
1: Well I'm, tr- well, I'm talking about the Germs game. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they introduced so I guess PS1 so much, came out
0: in 1994, so yeah.
1: They introduced <clears throat> they introduced a lot of character... Just a lot of, like, game dynamics that you wouldn't see for years. And they never get mm-hmm. credit. And it's a weird-as-fuck game. Because it looks like a game that was three-quarters of the way finished... And they hit the deadline and they were just like, fuck it, put it out there because you play it and it's weird (laughs) as shit, dude. Like half the people have faces, right? And they're fucking creepy looking. So picture this weird polygon ass body with like a photograph of a person like just over the face kind of look. (laughs) But then half of the people have no face. Like you interact with them and they just have no face. And like, I I am under the assumption that that wasn't intentional. It's very aesthetic. It's probably. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, like, overall, the game's very gray, so it's not vibrant and uplifting like LSD, but there are certain aspects that I would say are more aesthetic. Like, for instance, when you ride a subway, like, it's totally just this cool, weird aesthetic free roam, like, it, it's a weird-as-fuck game, but if he's into those kind of, you want to trip out for a little bit, yeah, then check out Germs for sure. <laughs> I,
0: I did. I just told him, actually, on Discord. <laughs>
1: No, another one. If you want an aesthetic game, too, I guess I'll say this for people on podcasts. Yeah. Check out Uyami Dori Tonkente. It's spelled U-A...
0: Uyami...
1: Uh, it's, it's Uyami Dori Tonkente. Uh, so it's weird, dude. It's this very obscure horror game. Um, So have you ever... Oh, my God, I can't even talk. Okay, I got it here. I got it. Um, so how to explain this? It's... uh, Have you ever heard of, like, Moonlight Syndrome? No actually god i'm oh why can't i think of the dude's name because he's so famous man uh let me find this guy's name real fast and yeah,
0: this game has a great score 98 percent.
1: twilight have you heard of twilight syndrome no nope. okay where is this fucking guy's name it's like an old uh if you remember the company human um i believe they did if i'm not mistaken i believe human did clock tower didn't they they've done a lot of games i believe
0: you're schooling me right now i don't know clock tower either
1: Uh, You don't know Clock? Oh, fuck. That's like an old school. So like Twilight Syndrome, Moonlight Syndrome, Yami Dori, Tonkente, they're more like Japanese-esque kind of horror games for the PS1 side scrolling. Clock Tower is like, um... so if you ever have a chance, play Clock Tower for the Super Nintendo. Now it's only in Japanese. not, Not PS1? there is one for ps1 but it, it's kind of weird to explain i'm trying to think how to explain this game because it's okay because i'm gonna very... link
0: i'm gonna link these games so i don't know which one you should, i should
1: uh, uh, oh okay 95 so, so do... snes 96 let, let, me, let me try to explain PS1. this because it doesn't make okay. sense the way I'm these guys get give it. me a lesson very... here <clears throat> so technically there's three clock tower games well i guess four clock tower games but there's only three that are released in the u.s so it gets very weird so there's the first game it's called clock tower that was released only in japan on the super nintendo now that's a kind of eight-bit side-scrolling horror game and it takes tropes of like classic slasher flick horror where you kind of have this dude that's chasing you through this house and you have to hide in areas or else you get scissored to death and uh and so it's kind of cool because it's it's one of the first games to my knowledge that plays on the actual slasher flick aspect of horror and it's a i mean it's a very early horror game in general, some people consider the original and the Super Nintendo to be one of the first horror games. So there's a lot of debate on, debate on that. Um, but then, what was weird as shit? So then, you know, they never released that game for the US, and then they jumped to Clock Tower Two, which I think they call it. Uh, well, I, I think they just call it Clock Tower Two in Japan. But then they released that game in the US, and they called it just Clock Tower. So it's weird as fuck. So you have Clock Tower Two in Japan and Clock Tower One in the US. And they're the exact same game. And then they did Clock Tower 2 in the US. And instead of calling it Clock Tower in 3 in Japan, they called it like Clock Tower Ghost Head, which that's a fucking awful spinoff. Like, I don't recommend that for the first time on a Clock Tower game.
0: But the first one you do.
1: Yeah, first one for the Super Nintendo, I think, has the most atmosphere. It's the best horror game. There is one for the PlayStation, and it's actually a pretty rare game. Like, it goes for a pretty hefty price. I would recommend that one, Um, but I don't know. It's cool playing the one from the Super Nintendo first because then you understand, like, what the fuck the point is of the game you're playing. Because I played them out at work and the first one for the PlayStation, I guess it kind of works because it's a mystery until the end and it puts it together. But the Super Nintendo, like, I don't know. It's weird as fuck that they decided to do that. Yeah. But anyways, I'm sorry. I went way off on that. Uh, No, that's dope,
0: dude. That's dope
1: uh uyami dori tonkente so twilight syndrome moonlight syndrome uh those are made i believe those are all made by human i think moonlight syndrome is too yeah it is so all those were made by um human and then uh uyami dori tonkente uh that was like basically i think that was after human bank went bankrupt if i'm not mistaken and like a good chunk of the team went over and they made this game uyami dori tonkente which is very similar to twilight syndrome moonlight syndrome all that it, it it's more like a Visually, it's a lot like Moonlight and Twilight Syndrome, but it's more unique in the sense uh, where those game. Well, I guess you'd say it's more unique to Twilight Syndrome, but anyways, um, you're kind of these three kids, and it's almost like a Scooby Doo esque thing. Like you have three kids and a dog, and you go on like ghost hunts throughout Japan. Sweet. But what's cool about it is it, it's not so much that gameplay because that's not even really the point of it. Uh, a lot of it has to do with visual aesthetic because the game takes place in. Um, What is it? It it takes place in, like, late 80s, like, uh, early 90s Japan. Like, kind of during... Well, I guess I'd say 80s, like, late 80s Japan. After the... uh, After kind of the economic crash. um, Because, like, Japan was, like, expanding really hard to uh, suburban areas. And then there's kind of a little economic pause. And then these areas went to shit really fast. And uh, so that's kind of the visual aesthetic that this game's playing off of. Like, you're in one of these places. But what's cool about the game and... uh, Like, back in the day, it sold poorly. Like, it's a horrible game. No one was liking it. And now it's considered a bit of a masterpiece by Japan standards because people say, like, there's no other game to better represent that genre of time visually in Japan than that game. Like, they said said it's almost eerie. Like, it's kind of, that's what teenage life was in Japan in this day and age. Um, So, it's kind of held up more on a pedestal by that now. Um, but the game gets really dark halfway through. It starts out really cheery, happy hearted. You get about halfway through, and then it gets super dark. Like the city starts turning dark and you see like people trying to mug you and there's like drugs going around and stuff. And then you find out like one of the people you play as is like severely depressed and always wants to murder themselves and that's like a severe thing from them. Another person you've been playing with like likes to dogs and like weird shit. Like it goes like on a total like from oh, this is kind of cheery to, like, this is dark as fuck. And it's, like, instant. Um, So how how do you play
0: uh, Yuyami Dori Tetakente if it's in Japanese? Is there a translated ROM or something?
1: There isn't. Uh, fuck. So I've actually been kind of, <laughs> I shouldn't say I've been working. I've been putting it off hard, and I'm feeling bad because I had someone hit me up to work on this project with me. Um, But I've been trying to actually work on translating the game.
0: Oh, can you speak Japanese?
1: So not so great speaking as much as uh, I can write in Japanese all right. Oh, cool, Um, cool. I I don't know. I've been kind of slacking a bit, so I really need to hop on it. uh, Mm -hmm. Because this project was kind of one of the main reasons I was taking it up so strongly. Um, Oh,
0: I see. Sweet. Yeah, I noticed that.
1: But originally it was working into like, (laughs) I was trying to find translations and I was trying to like, I had some goofy-ass app that I was trying to, like, shine it at my TV while I'm playing the game for a translation, and it was just so botched. It's like, I'm just going to have to learn Japanese to play it. So I've only gotten so far the game because I don't know how to explain it. Uh, there are certain things that I don't know how to translate, and I can't get past, like, Spot in particular. Yeah. So I kind of am on this loop because until I, like... Until I do things in certain order, trigger events, it won't let me proceed. Or I shouldn't say won't let me proceed, but I'm going to... I have, like... I'm trying to think how much it is. It's, like, a month or a couple months, like, worth of days in this game to play. And it's, like, if I don't solve all the shit by then, it's just fucked up. So it's, like, it's kind of been pointless for a while to play it until I can finish this translation. Um, but I am working at somewhat of a translation, uh, and I'm, uh, what's the, it's, like, romhacking.net. And I've been talking with some people that uh, might try to help me actually hack the text into the game. That's fair. I'm,
0: I'm looking at your post on romhacking.net.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> hey, that book. So, very crazy. That book right there. If you see the book,
0: the pictures are gone.
1: Oh, the pictures are gone. That's sad. So, I'm going to tell you something crazy, dude. So, Yuyami Dory Tonkente, that game's pretty rare. I bought a game, I bought a copy in like pretty much. Mint condition, like unwrapped, but I'd say mint condition, I mean fucking not a ding on it. Like it doesn't even look like a grease fingerprint has touched the inside uh map. But I bought a copy, I think it was like two hundred fifty bucks, something like that. Um, but I found the book for it. <laughs> so this is totally nuts. I found a complete guide to the book. So you know how like any old PS one gaming by the booklet that it's like, these are all the treasures are. This is how you get this ending. Turn you know, it gives you the walkthrough. The
0: full thing. Yeah, yeah.
1: This book uh, is the walkthrough for that video game. What's crazy about it, though, this book is virtually non-existent. Like to my knowledge, I'm the only person that has this fucking book on the internet. It's very weird. So I- how?
0: <laughs> wow! Holy fuck!
1: I found it on eBay. It was a random fucking eBay listing, and it was like hundred bucks for the book. And I like, oh, I can't do that. It's like F- man that book's rare, you know, like I have a feeling that's rare. And I ended up what's funny is I bought the book before I bought the game. And I ended up owning this book for a while. But what was weird is I, dude, I have researched all over the internet in English for the book, and I can't find any mention of the book. I can't find any visual image of the book, except there's I found three pictures online that exist of this guidebook. And they're literally the three pictures that were put online by the person that sold it to me. (laughs) And so like, I even started searching for it. I searched for it in Japanese. Like I've this searched. Is this is
0: rare. This is crazy.
1: Well, I've searched for this book in Japanese. I can't find it in Japanese. I've talked to people about it. People that are like, "Oh, you dori takente. and I've, been, "Hey, do you know about this book?" And they're like, "Whoa, what the fuck? I've never even heard of that." Can you send me pictures? And it and it's total trip. And like, I have it here. It's sealed in a. Uh, well, I shouldn't say it's sealed, but syllable plastic bag here and it looks like it's never even been touched wow but yeah so what i've been doing is that's why i'm actually tried to take up the translation gig because once i realized how i was like fuck like this has every line of text in the entire game and it's like this has everything and it's like there's no need to hack it it's like like everything's here and it's like even hidden shit like we'll have all the text and tell you how to do it whatever and so what i'm gonna do is uh translate the book and then move that over to translations for the game and then try to create some organized list to figure out a hack. for.
0: Crazy, man. This is insane. This is the coolest thing I've heard in a while. Like that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Right, keep I, it, keep it up. Get it done, man. Like that's, I need
1: to, I, I've been taking so off really hard. So
0: many people would be able to play this game. Finally scan the book, man, how much did this is crazy. It might be worth a lot someday.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I got it. uh, I don't know. I was in a huge, like, I need all the Japanese PS1 games I can get. (laughs) Yeah. And I was collecting all these rare ones. So I got, like, a a pretty much mint condition of Mizerna Falls, um, LSD Dream Emulator. Got, you know, the Yami Dori Tonkente. And then I started going through just games I wanted. I got, like, every Tekken for the PS1 in Japan. I have two copies of Silent Hill in Japan because my dog pissed on one. And then... Shit. <laughs> I was so mad. Like, I don't know why I had set the game on the ground next to my PS1, and I come home, and it's just soaked in piss. And I was like, oh, my God. And I pull it out, and the booklet's soaked in urine. Oh, no. And I'm sitting here, and it's like, oh, my God. Like, And I'm trying not to freak out, you know? And it's just like, fuck, because I just bought it. It's not even, like, a week old at this point, and it's fucking pissed on. Ah, I had to buy another one, but... Dude, I got into some weird ps1 stuff like i've been really into the retro gaming i got a. Uh, have you heard of a Sayo? no so it's a device for playstations it'll only work for consoles Failing up to this <laughs> it <It'll> only <laughs> works for uh consoles up to the uh fuck what is it the 7500 or the yeah i think it's 7500 um so any ps1 that has like the pa- uh <clears throat> the parallel port in the back so like a parallel port all the old playstations used to have what's called a parallel port on the back
0: which yeah. is like
1: PlayStation advertised it as like, yo, we're gonna have all this cool Multi-clear. fucking shit. You can plug into your PlayStation and it does all this stuff. And what's funny is PlayStation never made one fucking thing for this device. Like they never made one thing for the parallel port unit, but really? all these other companies did. So like Game Shark, okay, like yeah, Game Shark used to have a, you used to get a Game Shark that you plug into the parallel port into the back, and that's how you used to hack all the PS One games. Nice. Um, or they have like I have a, uh, I bought I have a lot of weird retro stuff. Uh, do you know what a VCD is?
0: Yes, actually, like the a video CD.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so I have an attachment. It's a VCD, super video CD. It's a it. Well, it's a VCD attachment for a PlayStation. So what nice. you do is so you, you plug play this, movies. Yeah, you plug this attachment into the parallel port, and then it <laughs> Sick, lets you man. play. Uh, I, I bought a copy of Akira from Singapore. Uh, I on vcd on BCD so that i can test it out on that <laughs> dude, it's so crazy i get i get really good deals that's on that a,
0: sometimes that is the coolest you're, you're you're my friend man i appreciate this all of this like well, so much
1: the coolest so shit like ever. This, this vcd i don't even know how i got this deal this dude had the vcd on ebay and it still had the whatever like the ob strip with it and it was fucking eight bucks or something and i was like oh that's, that's a great steal. deal i bought it and then fuck i looked it up later and it's like someone selling it for like 60 something bucks and i was like what the fuck and i was like that's crazy
0: because isn't that just someone burning it like a vcd i made a billion of those
1: no there's there's a so VC well professional how to explain it kind of a gray area there are professional like vcds
0: i did not know that
1: so vcds were what predated dvds so vcds were like yo this mm-hmm. is hip this is a fucking video on a cd dog and then dvds came out fucking right after so vcds went right out the window because it's like who gives a shit about this you know it, it's kind of <laughs> like think, think about like the mini disc player you know like mini disc players were going to be revolutionary it's like oh fuck yeah and then the ipod drops and it's like fucking physical format mm-hmm. and that shit died as soon as it dropped and it's kind of same with VCD. Um, you can actually find U.S. movies that are professionally made VCD. Uh, but the thing is, VCDs were are. I think they're still used, if I'm not mistaken. I think Singapore still fucks with VCDs. I think they they're probably on DVDs now. I would have to imagine. But VCDs were really big in Asia for uh, <coughs> for these countries that couldn't afford DVDs or DVD players and shit. They could fucking do VCDs. So you have all these companies in Singapore that make VCDs and like whether they're official, it's kind of a gray area because I mean, it's a professional company and they're sold professionally, but did they actually contact, you know, original creators to get permission for yeah, what we that. Cause
0: there's, there's a lot of like uh, street market vendor vendors for selling DVDs and probably VCDs as well. Right.
1: Well, I mean, the thing is that like, there's, it's professional companies. Like it's not even so much like, Oh, like you know like the homie on the at the park out in new york back when like people you I, I don't know if you ever owned any of those but i have a couple dvds that were bought from like a homeboy that recorded them inside the movie theater you know I mean, oh, it's yeah. not well, it I just it's not like that those. sort of thing where it's like some dude on the you know street Camps. selling them. like this is like an actual company that they have their name like registered on the product and it's like all professionally registered mm. and shrink wrap and i think the difference is is because when you go to some of those countries they don't really have the same cost. they don't it's like you know you can be a professional company and make what would be technically bootleg stuff while you know it's not i I don't know do you get what i mean it's just that kind of weird yeah yeah, yeah, for sure where it's like it's official by singapore standard but yeah
0: yeah. crazy well this has been a quite an interesting intro to the show
1: (laughs) (laughs) no sorry the sio all i was getting at with that stupid thing is it was just recently made by a company in australia and you plug a. You plug, an SD, you, you plug an SD card into this thing. So it's super dope because what you do is you plug this device into the parallel port and I had to actually modify my PS1 for it. So it has a microchip inside of it that allows this cartridge to work because without soldering this chip to the board, it wouldn't work. Mm. And so to explain the concept as easy as I can, normally a game has to be read from the CD, correct? So like you put the CD, CD drive, that's where it reads it. When I plug in this SIO device <laughs> and I turn it on, And it works with that microchip that's soldered inside of my PlayStation. What it does is it shuts off the CD drive altogether. It kind of inhibits that from working and it tricks my PlayStation into like, hey, bro, the CD drives over here. And so it tricks my PlayStation into thinking that an SD card is a CD drive. So you can play games directly from an SD card without needing to run a disc. Nice.
0: I'd never heard of that way of hacking it.
1: Well, it, it's a new, de- like, it's a new device. Like, I, fuck, dude, the thing cost me, like, a hundred-something bucks to get. Yeah. Um, but it, it's meant to be a development kit because there's still people that are making games for PlayStation, and there's still people that are hacking games for PlayStation. Mm-hmm. So what this allows you to do is you can download the game immediately to the SD card, pop it in, see if it works, and test it from there. But then it kind of works. Uh, if you're familiar with PlayStation, like, the first model for PlayStation is complete fucking garbage, like the 1000 and the 1001 are just complete shit. <laughs> but the thing that's cool about them is they're the only PlayStations that have an RCA port directly in the back of it because every other one you need to plug in a cord that has the RCA ports again okay, like the adapter. RCA outlets. On the original, on the very first models for the PlayStation, US and Japan, they have like the straight red, white and yellow directly on back of the PlayStation. And a lot of people claim that it's a great CD player and that's where you hear the audio file playstation is it comes directly from the scph 1000 and the scph 1001 um
0: dude rca that's crazy
1: well the reason would, it it, that usually the reason, is
0: composite right
1: huh yeah it, well what's cool is the first one has a composite and rca so it, it literally has both it has both of them on it but the reason it sucks is like uh i'll show you a picture of it after this interview but the the laser is in a different location on the first model of the playstation than it is on every, every other model i so really like, shit most, most playstation models you see they put the laser on the opposite end of the power supply right and and it's metal tracked it's the first model is where they fucked up and they were like what did we do these idiots put the laser directly next to the power source so like right where all the heat's being developed inside of the playstation they're like you know this is a perfect spot for us to put the laser and not only that So like every other model after this, to my knowledge, has uh, steel tracks on it. So it's like metal tracks that the laser moves back and forth on, right? Mm -hmm. The first model had plastic tracks. So they have plastic tracks for the laser directly next to the heat source. So what would happen is people would play these games for a while and it would melt the tracks that the laser's on. (laughs) And they would start to sink down a little bit. So then once it sinks down, the laser can't read the disc and people would put their game in and it says disc read error. And so what's funny is there's actually an old school hack for the first models of PlayStation. What you do is you put your game in, you turn it on and you flip it upside down and it'll work. Cause what it does is at that point where the track is like hanging down into the console, it basically falls back into place when you turn it upside down and it'll read the disc fine at that point. Yeah. <laughs> but because of that, it's just considered shit. If you're trying to run discs, um, but I wanted to own the very first model. So I got the very first model. And what's cool with the SIO is I can play games on it and it never fucking uses the disk drive. So I'm not wearing out the track on it. I'm not like taking a dump on that.
0: Yeah. So how many PS1s do you have?
1: How many? uh, Right now?
0: Sure. Or have you had?
1: (laughs) So I have two right now. I have a 7,500. Which that's considered like that—that's the most updated model that had the parallel port on it still. Like after that, that's when they removed it. And then I have the one thousand, which is the first model, and that has the Sio on. Um, fuck, dude! I had four or five PlayStations. I think I had four PlayStations a little bit ago. Oh, my girlfriend wasn't liking it because I had a—I uh, had like four PlayStations all over the. I mean, the front room's <laughs> kind of my room. Like it's got all my printers. And vinyl players and tape players and karaoke cassette players and demagnetizers and shit. So it's already spacious with almost all, like, my junk. And then on top of that, I have, like, four PlayStations that are over in the corner all over the place. And my modded Xbox, my girlfriend is like, yo, can we, like, (laughs) do a little bit of something about this? Because this is, like, making me uncomfortable. And so I threw out two of the PlayStations. Uh,
0: Oh, damn.
1: Yeah, well, if it makes you feel any better, um, they were both kind of shit. Uh, okay. One had a, one had a, dude, I don't even know how I got, I ordered this fucking console from Japan and it worked fine. Everything was great. Dude, I took the shit apart and it was actually kind of cool because whoever owned this, it had to have been like a four-year-old kid from Japan. Because this fucking thing, the motherboard was like fried on it, but somehow it worked. Like, I have no idea how this was because anytime a fucking motherboard has burn marks on it, like, you know, it's not good news. And the only reason I knew this is I had taken apart the PlayStation and clean it out, I get all the dust out and clean it and refurbish it a bit. And I noticed, I noticed scorch marks on the bottom of like the steel plate that they have uh, that they have like on the bottom of the PlayStation, like between the bottom of the board and the plastic, kind of like the shock board. And I noticed scorches across it. And I'm like, what the fuck happened here? And I take it apart, and dude, there's scorch marks all on the inside of this PlayStation. But somehow it works fucking perfectly. Like it works fine. And I just laugh because I just picture like some four year old kid that's got his fucking grape juice next to the PlayStation, you know, fucking mom's like, hey, you need to stop. Ooh, kicks it, you know, or there's some like jolt and that drink spills. Then it was just a, and just a jump, you know, and they'll like, oh, fucking unplugged the PlayStation. And that was probably the only time it saw light until they did. <laughs> Excuse
0: me. All right, okay, let's let's get into the regular stuff now. <laughs> that was so interesting, though. Thanks for the super cool intro.
1: Oh, fuck, man. All right. Sorry, yeah, uh, I tend to dork out really hard on stuff. Yeah. Once I start getting I into it. it, like, fuck, let it. me tell you the whole history of this, my college thesis.
0: <laughs> so you're living in Utah? Yeah. How's Utah treating you?
1: Utah sucks.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've heard I've heard that.
1: I mean, I'll say this, like, it's gotten a lot cooler. Like, as far as like politically, it's gotten a lot cooler. Like, it's still run by the Mormons, which is whack, but Oh
0: shit, I didn't know that.
1: Well, I I should say this. They're not technically run by the Mormons, but they're run by the Mormons. And you know, it kinda turns into this whole issue where there's supposed to be separation of church and state. And the LDS church is very abusive that law. Like they like to really stretch it to and and you know they try to sit there and like oh we don't uh we don't influence you know political decision and it's like bullshit you know because they they <laughs> I, I don't know they're very uh they kind of tell the congregation what you need to believe and then when political leaders you know are in that congregation they're like look you need to do this and then they do have pulling it anyways like we passed uh we passed medical marijuana here right and it was bullshit we fucking passed medical marijuana and then these motherfuckers dude right after it passes they hold a closed door session where they fucking change the law. They went in and they changed the, the law that had already been voted on and was fucking on agreement. Right after it was voted in, they fucking oh we need to make emergency uh, what what the fuck did they call it like um, then we need to make amendments to this bill you know and they go in and they start changing all this fucking shit to it that started fucking over the law and making it impossible for people to get medical marijuana like they put in so many stipulations it's like dude no one's fucking able to get this. Like, you know, even like cancer can't because they had it like, oh, well, there can't be private dispensaries. It has to be state-run dispensary, but the state-run dispensary can get in trouble. So it's only if they decide they want to do it. It's like, what the fuck, dude? So it's like, we can't let independent people do this. It has to be state-run, but it's up to the state person whether they want to do it because they can still get in trouble federally. And so they're putting in all these weird stipulations, making it, dude, no one's, you know? And so one thing that is cool is, fuck, I think someone took him to court. Like, I think it got, I know the shit got taken. There was a whole like this violation and Utah's rights. And it's like, we fucking voted this in. Like how, you know, you can't do it. And they actually did repeal it to where, I'll believe it when I see it. Because Utah is one of those states you, you really just kind of have to see stuff or you believe it, you know? But supposedly it is going to go back to, bill originally was in starting in january and so it's going to be you know more across the medicinal here whether they try to fight that again you know how long it takes to actually go into fruition we'll see but i mean outside of that it's gotten a lot cooler um we have a lot of people kind of coming in from other states uh a lot of people from california and vegas fucking end up coming in here um not always for the best reasons. Like, St. George, it's not always great, because you get a lot of cats that come in there that are either, like, running from the law in Vegas or, like, on their third strike in Cali, and they're like, we'll, we'll go to southern Utah. Nothing bad happens. So that's not always great, because, you know, you kind of get a fucking, just some negative attention there. And, it's like, for instance, like, St. George is like, a huge dope town. But, um, but, I mean, you get a lot, you get a lot of younger people, you get cool people. uh And, you know, I'm not, like, fucking, not even trying to talk shit on fucking people that are on third strike or whatever uh because fuck I, I have a lot of friends that are in that position you know,
0: all, all i knew about utah before this conversation was whatever slc punk showed me
1: <laughs> slc punk slc punk uh pretty outdated i mean slc punk's cool like outdated in a lot of ways uh i mean fuck we have like a pretty big lgbt community here now like, I mean, fuck. Like, we take up, like, the whole house for pride. Um, You know, uh, it's gotten a lot more uh, loose as far as, like, weed use. Like, you know, it's one of the deals where it's fucking an issue. But, like, overall, like, population-wise, like, most people here blaze. Most people in party hang out. Like, y- you get a lot more, like, laid-back crowd here than you would imagine. Because a lot of people think everyone here is very, like, I know overseas, fucking, they thought, like, that we, like, ride in a horse and buggy. And have like ten <laughs> wives, and they were convinced. They were, I, I think it was in the Czech Republic. They were a hundred percent convinced in the Czech Republic that my uncle had horns, but they were very cleverly hidden. <laughs> and like horns, yeah. Like my uncle went to the Czech Republic because he he's been all over the world. He teaches English and stuff, and he went over there for some like poetry thing. And he was there for like a summer, and like people were asking him how it is like getting around with a buggy, and he's like, "Yeah, I have a car, you know." And they're like, "What a car!" And then they're like, well, how many wives do you have? Like, I don't have a wife. And they're like, what? Like, you don't have a wife. And they're freaking out. And like, you know, so a lot of people think we're a lot like the English here. Not really. I mean, you you do still get like polygamous and stuff down more so towards like Southern Utah. Not so much in like North Utah and Salt Lake. And I guess I should clarify on that. Utah as a whole is, is isn't. when I'm saying it's getting more hip, I guess I should say I'm like entirely referring to Salt Lake at this point in reference to, like, you know, having a stronger LGBT community. Right. Having, like, you know, I mean, we have a lot of venues here, a lot of shows go on, you know. We have, like, the Sugar House, New Age Hippie Crowd, you know. A lot of local.
0: I think one of my favorite bands is from Utah. You ever heard of The Used? (laughs) Who? The Used.
1: The Used?
0: Yeah, their metal band.
1: Yeah, I I know. (laughs) I know The Used. Nice, sweet. No, cool. Uh, I I don't know if they're from Utah. Actually, I'm not 100. Mm. No, I know the killers. I think
0: Bert. I think Bert might be. I don't know.
1: I know the killers are from Utah. If you remember that old. Yeah. One. Why the fuck? Why can't I think the killers? What What was their song? Uh, was were the killers who did Mr. Brightside?
0: Yeah, that's it.
1: Okay, fuck. That's man. the one.
0: It, <laughs> it's that was. The, they had another one too. Burn something. I don't know.
1: When, when they dropped here, man, I was like, you, the killers, man. They're making it. They're putting Salt Lake on the map, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Again. There you go. <clears throat> no, uh, yeah. I'm re- referring to Salt Lake. Like, Utah as a whole is very, eh. Like, it's very, God, without sounding, like, derogatory. It's very country-esque. Like, it's got a lot of Bible Belt vibes going. Like, it's very conservative. Very, like, you pick yourself up by the bootstraps. Son, you know, very, like, <laughs> you know, like put fingernail polish on and it's like, holy shit, you know, you just
0: yeah
1: assassinated the president or something. And everyone's got to turn and it's like, uh, it's very, like, you know, they're like my handbag. Mm-hmm.
0: So let, let's talk about your music a little bit, shall we? Oh, I, believe.
1: I, I don't think we've talked anything to music, have we?
0: No. <laughs> uh, so, <you're> a Lucid <laughs> Sound Driver. Yeah. That's one of your aliases. I think you said earlier you had 11 aliases or so. So maybe we'll talk about a little bit of those uh, later. But so yeah, what is Lucid Sound Driver? You have a bunch of records out uh, on a few different labels. Illuminated Paths, Aura Wire, Legendary Entertainment, Section 9, Nightlight Tapes. Yeah, what's what's all that stuff?
1: Let me fuck, let me. I mean, I like, can finger count. I have all these here somewhere. So I have <laughs> so all the labels that I've worked with, Cell Death Tapes, um, Capital Tapes, if you're familiar with them, uh, they're out in Germany. They're like uh, because they don't. It's not actually spelt capital tapes. It's like capital and Chinese tapes. That um, tape. That tape
0: is so beautiful. I wish I had a copy of it. Which one? Capital tapes.
1: Oh no, the white yeah, uh, one. Oh yeah, the, the Fountain fountain wisdom tape. mm Hmm. Oh, I'm 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 surprised you knew that. Like I was 100 percent like that's why I had to ask because like I don't know. It's weird when it's weird when anyone knows my work. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I've worked. It's with or- such
0: a beautiful J card. Like fuck.
1: See, you know what's weird is I was so self-conscious on that J card because, like, I drew that J card. Um, oh, wow. And I was like, fuck, this is ass. Like, I've drawn most of my covers. So, like, I drew the album cover for Serenading the Indigo Child and then didn't edit with that. I drew the cover for Gradient Departure and I didn't edit with that. Um, I drew the cover of uh, Fountain of Wisdom and then I did a light edit on that. The only, um, the only album that has artwork drawn on it that i didn't do was the album on nightlight um i had my friend adrian martinez do that uh which i'm so happy i did that i'm actually having him do a bit more of my artwork just because it came out so good um but yeah as far as all the label so as far as lucid sound driver uh so i'm only gonna mention i'm not gonna mention labels that i've worked with because fuck that'll just be too long but i'll mention like labels that i've done an album on Yeah. yeah sure and
0: let's talk about the albums too and, like, why why you make music, all that sort of stuff.
1: So, I, so I've so i worked with Illuminated Path, Legendary Entertainment, Cell Death Tapes, Capital Tapes, Aura Wire, uh, Nightlight Tapes. I've worked with um, No Problema Tapes. I've worked with uh, Section 9 Tapes. I've worked with Faint Recordings. Um, <laughs> done. Oh, my oh, duh, Aura Wire. Fuck, what a dumb thing. <laughs> Aura Wire. God, I, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah,
0: go, go on.
1: Yeah, an or wire. Um I think that's all the labels that I've done and... Oh fuck, I did an album on PowerLine too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did an album on PowerLine. Uh
0: so why uh, so why do you make Vaporwave and how did you discover it?
1: So it's weird, like, I don't know how to explain this. So it's kinda weird how Lucid Sounddriver got put into Vaporwave because personally I've never I never considered Lucid Sounddriver to be Vaporwave. That's why I did virtual sound terminal originally so i was like oh lucid sound driver that'll be my original work and kind of ambient kind of you know just stuff whatever virtual sound terminal that'll be my vaporwave alias and then it was really weird uh because i worked i worked with illuminated path um i don't i don't know i don't think anyone considers that vaporwave i don't know if it's this vaporwave maybe i don't know uh but it was weird i i was releasing like with labels that were kind of within the scene just because i I've been a part of the scene and like, I, uh, and I don't know, it's weird. Like I released my work, never personally thinking it was vaporwave. And then all of a sudden people are like, you know, oh, this is a vaporwave album. And I was kind of like, oh, this is an ambient album, you know? I'm like, oh no, it's vapor, you know? And I was like, oh, you know, and, <laughs> and it's funny. Cause I I've, always wonder
0: I, about that.
1: I, I I've never considered lucid sound driver to be vaporwave. Like I've never personally called it vaporwave. Like I've used the term vapor cause I like that term. And I liked a lot of the music from, like, that kind of era of D.C. Um, like, a lot of artists, like, grayscale sound, stuff like that. And, uh, and yeah, it's just kind of weird. It's just kind of turned in that way. Uh, it's, it, and it's really weird at the Vaporwave thing. I've, I've been into Vaporwave for quite a long time. Before I made music, um, fuck, I'm trying to think exactly what year I found Vaporwave. I want to say 2013, something like that. Uh, fuck, this sucks. I'm, like, trying to think. It's, maybe, it's okay it's, maybe it's maybe early 2000, i think 2013 to 2014 something like that um and i uh it's funny i got into it so stereotypically like <laughs> i had the uh so i was really into like synthwave i was really into a lot of artists like Calm, like come um yeah for sure and this is back when i used to get a lot of my new artists from like youtube and stuff like that's how i found uh a lot of music actually was through YouTube. <laughs> like, what I would do, so I would type in an artist that I like and I would listen to some music for a while. And then I would just go through the suggested until I saw an artist name that I was like, oh, I like that artist name. Or, like, oh, that's a cool album cover, man. Like, yo, what a weird album title. And I'd click on it. And if I liked it, then I'm like, oh, this, you know, this is tight. And like, I'd search that artist and then I'd just listen from more work of that artist. And just be like, oh, cool! And I'd start to get a feel for the artist, and I'd listen to them for a while, and then I'd start doing the same where I scroll the search results, and then I'd see something else. It's like, oh, that look, that looks kind of weird. And mm-hmm. based off a bunch of search results from like Trues and uh, a few other synthwave artists and some chillwave artists like Neon Indian and Boards of Canada and a lot of artists from Attack Nine, it ended up popping up uh, a <clears throat> Macintosh Plus, uh, Floral Shoppe in my uh, in my search, and like one like. I've always, like, had a thing, like, for Japan. Like, both China and Japan. Um, but if leaning to, like, one over the other. Like, wow. I don't know. It's weird. I, I was into China a lot when I was really young. And then it kind of transitioned to being in Japan when I got a bit older. <clears throat> um, but I saw the title, and I was like, oh, yeah. Like, that caught me right off the bat. And I was like, that's a weird album cover, man. I'm trippy. And, you know, this back and I was in, like, oh, really weird stuff. And, like, <laughs> and I try to just find stuff that, like, was weird to listen to not even necessarily from a musical perspective which is like oh this be cool to listen to next time I trip out <laughs> whatever and like <laughs> and I saw that cover and I was like oh this looks weird and and as soon as that first uh <clears throat> chop started on the first track I was just like dude this is fucking weird as fuck you know and I was getting way into it and it's funny cuz I didn't actually know Macintosh Plus <laughs> wasn't Japanese for the longest time cuz this is like you know before vaporwave was really as big as it was and there was a huge community and like i said i think somewhere between uh, yeah and anyway sorry
0: so no that's hilarious uh,
1: i was uh i got into that and i listened to that album for quite a while and that was kind of like i was hooked on this one particular album um god then what was another one is that a moon uh a moon dragon oh fuck a moon dragon why the fuck can't i think (laughs) man i feel so bad because a lot of the like classic vaporwave acts are so out the window yeah the unlimited dream come um the moon dragon album if you know what i'm talking about
0: i don't actually know
1: i'd found that like got really into it um what's funny is i actually didn't check out like echo for a long time and but anyways i got into vaporwave a bit and it was weird because i was really into vaporwave and what's funny is i when i first listened to vaporwave i didn't quite understand white how sample based it was because I wasn't familiar um, samples used originally. Yeah,
0: uh, you don't use samples, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, not as lucid sound driver. Um, And I was just like, oh, this is cool, you know, and it was weird. I was I was like hooked on vaporwave for a while. Um, I found St. Pepsi and Macross uh, 8299 at some point during this time. And, you know, I was getting really into that, like I was getting way into the future funk. (laughs) <laughs> and that's what I would, like, introduce a lot of people. Like, Yo, you, you're going shoot this out, man. Future fun. No one knew what I'm talking about. A few people liked it. Most people could give two shits, whatever. And I didn't really know too much of an online community or anything. And then it was weird. I just kind of fell out of listening to Vaporwave a bit. Like, not even so much listening to it. Like, I just started, you know, going back to other artists I would listen to. Yeah. Like, Comtrues and stuff. And then I, uh, fuck. I started making music in... Let's see. God, this is so... It, it, it hasn't been too long, but um, I started... So I got this fucking goofy ass... Uh, do you know what a K-Oscillator is? No. So I got this device called the k Pro, and it's like a little like... Uh, it's similar to the device that R23X uses. I well, I, oh, he,
0: okay.
1: He, he doesn't use a K-Oscillator Pro. He uses a... Uh, fuck, I'm trying to think. There's like two devices, and they look identical, but they're different. Like, one of them's like more of a kind of effects mixing type thing, do loops and stuff. I don't know, I haven't used that one too much. The Chaos later is meant to be more like a kind of standalone synth, but it's really it, it, it's kind of more, fuck. I spent a good deal of money on it, but um kind of a dinky device, you know, like I I wouldn't use it now, like I wouldn't use it for performance, but it's definitely cool. Like it got me kind of in the flow of like how to record loop a bit, like how to get in that process of like Doing loops with each other, but it's so limited. So I don't know how to it's like. Oh fuck! What an awful device. So it can record a max of four loop, but you can overdub. On it. So if, you know, like if you can figure out how you want to overdub properly, you can do that per loop. um And you can adjust tempo. But what's fucking dumb on this thing is, I think it's like once you drop below one ten on the tempo, it will only record eight bars. So like the maximum it will record, I think, is like sixteen bars. It'll do a sixteen bar loop, I believe, uh, or like sixteen beat loop. Um, but when you go to 110, it drops down to 8. So then you're, like, super limited at this point. Like, you can either do a short, like, run, or, like, uh... <laughs> fuck. I'm trying to even think how this math works. This thing actually fucked me up for quite a while producing because of how I got used to this. So what I would do is I would drop my tempo. Um... i explain this. Okay, so say it would only record 8 bars, right? It blo- like, once you're recording below 110 on the tempo, it would only do, like, an 8-bar loop, right? Yeah. Well, say I want to do, um something that's uh fuck let's just say like something that's like around 100 and i want 16 bars of that but it's only going to record eight bars what i would have to do is drop the tempo down to like 50 like i'd have to like basically drop my tempo down and then uh i so basically i'd have to half the tempo from what i'd want it at and so like i'd be recording an eight bar loop technically but i'm playing a 16 bar loop if that makes sense okay but it turned into this really dumb process, like, and it fucked me up for a long time, because I, oh my god, I, fuck, well, I don't even know how to explain my first time in producing that, it's trash, but I started I started playing around on this device a bit, and it was really not much, like it's like, all the sounds are built in, and you kind of touch it, and it's just kind of in a built scale, like, you don't really play notes much, it's kind of like built-in scales where you can do flat notes, it, it's a cool device, I have actually considered buying one for live performances, and I know it sounds dumb, because I said I wouldn't use one in a live performance, but before I... <laughs> backtrack on my words um buying one to let people use during a performance uh Mm. and I'll, i'll go into that a bit later if you want about how i've been kind of wanting to incorporate audiences into my live performances um but i have considered buying one of those to do to like allow people to come up on stage and be able to interact with it and it's one of those things i feel it's just so simple sweet man it would kind of let people toy around with it without fucking up what i'm doing too much like even if they were to do something really weird it wouldn't totally like oh fuck you know uh but i kind of got used to this thing and then let me see <laughs> it's so funny the only way i can remember when i started producing music is by uh is by seeing when i released among the thrift shop floor cuz it was uh yeah so it was so december 2014 is when i just started producing uh mm-hmm so I had this kid at the skate park. It was weird as shit, man. I was at the skate park and there's like this kid there. It was like some high school kid um, that comes and skates. And apparently this kid found out that I was like playing around on the chaos later and like was wanting to produce music more. And he's like, ooh, man, like come over to my house. I have Ableton. Like I can kind of show you this. And I was like, oh, cool, dude. And I went over and I checked this out and it kind of sucked because like this kid kept wanting to show me all this shit it is like on sector 9 for basics and it's like look man i don't care about how to fucking design a sound right now or like how to do effects on the sound like can you just tell me how to click a sound that i can like play on the keyboard and like just how to like all i want to know is just how to pick a sound and then how do i record this and like how do i make and he was like oh i'll show you that and it was real basic and i was like cool man and i went home and i downloaded a trial version of ableton and like and i made this album uh not among the thrift shop floor, but I made this album (laughs) in 30 days on this trial version of Ableton. And I probably, I probably utilized more like 15 or 20 days of the Ableton because I spaced out a bit. And it was funny, man, because I was so proud of this shit. Like I was like, yo, this is fucking sick. This is, this is me, you know, (laughs) This this is from me from the heart. And I was like, oh, this is dope, you know? And, and it's so funny. Like I'll, I can link you the album privately, I I've, I've debated throwing it up at some point, but like I took it down. I kept it up on SoundCloud for years under my original SoundCloud profile. And then I took it down because I was like, it's just awful. But like, and I mean, fuck, I guess for like it, for what it was being like, you know, done on a 30 day trial version, having never used the Dodge. It's like, all right, let's see how this goes. It's cool. But it's just funny when I listen to it now because I was like, oh, this is dope. And I hear it now and it's like, this is fucking haggard and it's like the sounds are like cheapy plastic sounding like it's very one-dimensional and it's like it's so generic like it it's funny like and what's weird about it is if you did hear them i mean it does still sound like my music like you would still hear lucid sound driver in it (laughs) but you would hear a lucid sound driver that's like all right like here i am like what do i do and just kind of fucking off yeah um (laughs) and so i called the album trial error because it was made on a trial version i felt i fucked up the album uh and then i thought oh that's clever so that was the first album i ever did (laughs) and uh and then after that you know i was like oh ableton i'm gonna start making music more and i was really getting into casino versus japan's um it's a self-titled album just casino versus japan and this cd's kind of hard to come by i think i paid like 50 bucks for the cd a long time ago because it's like I think there's only a 100 of them released and it's like this dude's first album from like 99 or some shit or 98 uh and uh what's funny i actually like this was kind of the album that got me into ambient because i used to when i first heard this dude's album it's self-titled like i just couldn't fucking stand it because i used to listen to his upbeat kind of like tropicana it's got a beat but it's kind of trippy but it's kind of in a sense now like kind of ethereal ambient you know but when i just hear ambient stuff i was like fuck i want to beat i want something to happen And I'd gotten into it, uh, his self-titled album, because I was so into every one of his other albums that I was like, "Fuck, I just have to sit through it." Like, just say I did. Like, maybe I'm missing something, you know? And I sat through it, and it's like a hour long out or like an hour and a half album, and and it's like very kind of droney, and then has some ambient guitar stringing coming into it. And then I sat through it, and it kind of hit me, and I was like, "Wow, like this is actually very nice," you know? And it wasn't like. I don't know, Is it was at that point that I stopped listening to ambient music so much as music. Uh, because I've always liked ambient stuff. Like, I've always liked movie scores and all that. But I've never like, oh, I want to jam out. Let me put on a movie score, you know? And so, like, and I guess that's why I wasn't enjoying ambient, is when I was first listening to it, I was listening to it from a perspective, like, I'm trying to, you know, get some energy. And it's like, fuck, this isn't working. <laughs> but once I kind of changed my perspective on listening to it, I was really getting into it. And I wanted to kind of make an ambient album. And I was working something, and I wonder if it still exists, man. Fuck, I think it might. But that was actually going to be part of Among the Thrift Shop floor. And the whole thing was going to actually be really different. It was going to be a dark ambient album. And I still have the album cover uh, that's going to be used eventually. Like, it's one of the coolest album covers I've ever had done. My photographer uh, that I have, he was taking pictures of me with my little toy keyboard by this fucking, (laughs) by this door. And this was when I was first, like, like kind of getting a photographer using him as my photographer. And so I was like, I need album shots. I don't know how to do this. And he's like, I'll do it for you, bro. And I was like, oh, fuck yeah, because he films, like, a lot of skate videos. And that's how I know him is from the skate park. Uh, and so he was doing some shots for me. And he just laughed because I was always moving. So we have all these fucked up pictures where he's like, bro, you just need to sit still for a second. <laughs> and, like, I'd always just turn my head. I don't know why. Like, and I've gotten a lot better at it now. Like. Because now he says I'm like one of his favorite, you know, people to shoot because he can like sit there and like position my body and I won't like move an inch because I just I understand it now. But before it was just kind of like, was that good? And I turned my head right when he's taking the shot. And dude, this shot is so fucking bad ass. He took a picture of me turning my head, right? But it has my face in two different places at the same time on this shot. So why it looks really freaky is like you see my body just completely still. But then my face turns and it looks like a demon skull. Like it's like, so right in between where my face is looking at the keyboard and where my face is turning to the camera, it's like it's split in half and it creates like what looks like a bone structure for like a missing nose in between it. And it's weird. It's like, cause you're you're only seeing one eye on my face. So I guess I should have explained that. It's like a a, a side shot. And so it's, it's really weird. It looks like a, it looks like I'm a demon in the picture. It's probably like the gnarliest picture I've ever had someone take of me. But it was completely by accident. And, you know, it was kind of one of those shots he was like, oh, fuck, that was badass, bro. Like, you know, and that was going to be the Among the Thrift Shop floor album cover and scrapped it.
0: One thing I want to say about that record is I think it's really cool that you uh, put bonus tracks on the cassette, but you also put bonus tracks on the.
1: Yeah. So that, I'll explain that concept. I'm glad you actually like that concept. Dude, it's uh, so I'll Great say this, it's really weird talking about this album because like I fucking hate this album so bad. Like, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. Like, it, and I hate talking about my work like that. And it's I then it makes me feel bad, too, because it's not even trying to dislike when someone's like, I like something that's trash. I'm not even trying to trash someone's opinion. I think it's just that I mean, realistically, I hate almost everything I've released. I'm going to be real about it. Like, I am so self depreciating on my work i but this album like so i'd only been producing for a few months at this point like i think that fuck man i'm trying to think when the album actually finished the album finished in march or april so i i'd only been producing for a few months and i hadn't mastered i hadn't mastered ableton sound design and doing that but then i was like oh well how do i play with audio files and so this album actually the whole reason it sounds weird is the whole intention is, like, I'm not going to use synths in Ableton. Like, I just want to use audio recordings. Like, I just want to make an ambient album with just audio recordings. Yeah. And so I went to the DI, which is the Mormon thrift shop. Uh, have you ever heard of the DI or, like, Deseret? Well, uh, probably not. You're in Canada. <laughs> Deseret Industries DI. It's uh, fucking the Mormon thrift shop. <coughs> and I went there, and I bought a keyboard, Casio SK2. And I just played it. And, like, so what I did, I bought a Task it's like this little handheld recorder and that's where i get like a lot of the recordings here and my music come from that because i just carry that in my pocket and, and a lot of times i use my phone now but i used to carry this in my pocket everywhere and i just record in everything and anything <laughs> which i'll tell you a funny story with that album on a recording i had to get it was the most creepo fucking thing in the whole world but um and i used to record with that and so what i would do is i would set that recorder on like my fucking nightstand and then I'd sit on my bed and I'd just play this little toy piano. And what I would do is I'd get some fucking really dope ass sounds on it. Like, <laughs> I'd record sounds into the sampler. So I would just make the sound of the mic and then play it out on the keyboard. And dude, I made the fucking sickest little synth sound. Like, I actually want to keep this SK2 and I want to circuit bend it so that I can reuse the sample and then bend that. Cir- I don't know if you know what circuit bending is, but. Uh um,
0: can you explain it real quick? I s- think so. Sorry So of.
1: circuit bending uh, I mean you can do it with big vices, but circuit bending traditionally is like small toys and like toy keyboards. <coughs> so if I can so picture like this kind of like I'm doing this hand thing because in Utah we talk with our <laughs> that's like a huge Utah. um so picture you have a key uh, a motherboard fuck okay, picture you have your piano right and there and it's a little toy piano it's got the batteries plugged in, then it has that green motherboard, right? Mm-hmm. or any toy device that makes sound so so any noise that comes out of like a, say a furby or a fucking speaking spell or anything like that it has to travel through every circuit in this motherboard in a specific pattern to make that sound right do you get what okay. i mean like like yeah, yeah yeah like to say to make this sound like there's a specific uh path that that electric current needs to take to make that mm-hmm. sound and
0: so Definitely. what circuit
1: bending is is you're taking a wire and you're touching different points on the motherboard while this sound's being produced. And the concept is you're trying to interfere with the electrical current. Um, so say like one sounds kind of like a boo, like it's just a nice clean sound like boo. And say I interrupt the circuit, and then now it's going to change the, the shape of the electric pattern. It's not going to sound the same. So say it goes from boo, and then I touch a circuit, it's going to go. Like it's going gonna, it's gonna to completely change the sound. And so this is all experiment. Like it's basically disassembling and you're touching all. And you, ha- what you have to do is you have to map and diagram the motherboard. And so you have like a picture and this is where it's good. Like you get a lot of hobby wire and different colored wires. So it's not getting mixed up because if you see a professional circuit bend thing, it's nuts, dude. It's fucking so weird looking. But what you do is you touch all over this board and say you find a circuit point where when you touch one, say you touch one of the metal solder points on a motherboard, and then you touch another solder point and it starts making a weird ass sound, right? Well, what you do is you pick it up and if you touch it down and it does the same thing, then you have a certi- a certified circuit point. And what you do at that point is one of those points you would solder a wire to and then the other one you would solder a wire to and then you connect it to like a button. So, So I guess when you're testing these out, you have like a connected wire. So what it's doing is when you're interrupting it, And you're touching like one piece of the motherboard and then another piece, the electric current ends up traveling through that wire instead. Does that make sense? Right. And so that's, and so what you do is you uh, solder two loose end wires that like don't have anything connecting, and you connect both the uh, ends that have like the frayed wire bits, you connect those to like a button. So I guess the best way I could think to even explain how that works, like picture, it's almost like a bridge. Like when you press the button one time, the wires not touching together, so it's not interfe- It's not interfering with the circuit. But then once you press the button, you touch the wire together, and then it's like you're interrupting the electrical current. Yeah, it, it, I know I'm explaining this so poorly.
0: So it produces some pretty crazy sounds.
1: That that whole album was like a live recording based thing, recorded on a task cam recorder that I exported all that. Uh, audio into Ableton and then I just layered it up and kind of dinked off with it and then Mm -hmm. released it. Um, But yeah, with the digital tracks. So yeah, that's why I was saying like, I'm actually really flattered that you like brought that up because it's weird me talking about this album because I just hate it so much. Like uh, like I said, I mean, there's a few albums that I really like, uh, but like I don't know why. (sighs) I think what like bummed me out about that album is it's like all my work that I was releasing after that I feel is so much better than it is like visually nowhere. But then it's like this first album of mine that I'm just not into really anymore. It's like on iTunes, Amazon and fucking everywhere. And it's like, fuck, this is how people are going to like remember me. And it's like, I'm a registered artist on Google. It's like, you know, you look on Google type in Lucid Sound Driver on Google and it's like musical artist, which I don't even know how that happens, but whatever. So I'm a registered artist on Google. But then it was like, at this point in time, it's like the only album people would see was Among the Thrift Shop Floor. And this was like after Serenading Indigo Child. This was after uh, quite a few albums. And it was like, fuck, man. Like, (laughs) this isn't how I feel like I sound, you know? I wonder (laughs) why. It's because Illuminated Pass, it's because, it's the same with Subjectivity as Blue. Um, I don't know if they put music through in-grooves or what. It's like something like, they basically just like promoted my first album to where it's, like, it got put on digital streaming services and stuff like that. So my first album got promoted well, where the others were a bit more, like, hello, like, what's the word I'm trying to think about of? uh, Just more kind of independent in-house stuff that weren't focusing on, like, digital distribution. Um, But I always feel weird about that album. Like, I don't know. It's weird to me. Like, ugh. I don't know. I think it's just when I hear it now, it's just so fucking cringe to me. Cause like, cause that, cause it was when I was first producing, like, like I said, I, I started producing in Ableton in December, 2014. And I mean, that album was finished a little while before. And it's not like it released the next day. I was like, here it is. And I mean, fuck nope. it really, it, re- it released. makes sense. It released officially in August, 2015. So it, <laughs> I hadn't been producing long and Oh, my God. Like, it's just so many things that I hear that it's like, fuck, I could have just made this so much better. And and, but then in the same sense, it's like, I don't know, I try not to get too. I used to get really hung up on projects. I try not to anymore because I kind of realize like certain projects exist in the time that they were created. Like, for instance, you know, I have quite a few like I have a lot of unreleased stuff that people probably never hear just because they were projects that I was working in at the time, you know, they meant something and there was feeling to it. But then, you know, the project kind of died down. It didn't finalize. And then it's like, if I try to go back into the project, it's like, I'm not in that same mindset I was two years ago. I'm not in anything. And it's like, I'm a different person. I have different techniques as far as making music because I've let that. I mean, that's one thing I'll say is beautiful about making music in a sense is it's weird, like kind of watching <laughs> what you used to do and then seeing how that kind of grows. And it's like every track, there's always something new that's learned anytime you make something even when you dick off like i used to sit there and i mean i've come up with a lot of cool music techniques like literally just fucking off for like Ugh. you know like i used to i used to sit in my room a lot and i used to be like <laughs> i wonder what the most annoying sound is i could make <laughs> and, like, and i'd sit there because i think that was really funny like just playing an annoying sound through my speakers like i like to do it to a point where i would get my grandma to come in and be like what are you doing in here? You know? Cause it just sounds so stupid. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, this good stuff, grandma, you know? Cause my grandma's really cool musically. Like she's really supportive of it. Um, and you know, she, always, she always loves my music, but I always thought that was like a funny thing to try to see if I could make something that sounded so ridiculous <laughs> that she would have to come right. and be like, what's going on here? You know? <laughs> and I came up with a lot of cool <laughs> stuff doing that. And like, like one, we could actually do sometime when I fix my computer, uh, well, fuck, I'll go on that later. But this is kind of a side project I've been doing with an artist that I found out on Acid with another artist on accident on Facebook. And it's really weird meta shit. Like, I know you'll be into it, but I'll, I'll save it for its own topic because it's hard to... But anyways, um, you know, going back on a, Among the Thrift Shop floor, it's just so... Eh. And it's weird to me. And I And I think maybe the reason I feel that way, too, is it's like the album didn't really do well either. You know, I mean, the album didn't do too great. I never really had anyone write me about the album. Like what's weird about it is no one started writing me about that album until like fucking 2018 or something like that. And then it's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah like no one said shit about that album uh, that I, except I'm like, Oh, that's cool. I like the thrift shop. And then, and then, and then I had someone talk shit because of the, because they're like, well, walking past the Mormons, that track title doesn't make sense. And then they were like clowning on me because they're like, I don't understand the point of these anime drawings with the album. They don't coincide. It's like, all right, dude. Like, fuck, is my first album? Okay. Uh, Yeah. But uh, that's like literally the only thing I saw before, like anyone, like two thousand eight. Um, but with those digital tracks and the cassette bonus track, so there was like a whole like I wanted it to be really symbolic because all my albums, I try to always put an important concept to my album that's why like all my albums, for the most part have like a full written story or at least are like heavy conceptually. And I feel the reason being is like, I've never really been interested when artists are just like, Oh, this is my album. Here's seven tracks. And it's like, I don't know, like they just, when the tracks don't mean anything significant to one another, and they don't tie into like the concept of a project or things like that. I don't know. A lot of the time, I've just always felt like, I don't know, there can be tracks on it or, that are great. But like, I don't know. I guess I've just always been one over more so when I have when I see albums that are like, you know, just as well developed as these other albums, seven random tracks, but you know, they're put together in a kind of storytelling narrative, or there's something like tying these together to where it feels like there's some significance to what you're listening to or like this project. And I don't know, like I feel that's why I've abandoned a lot of stuff because I can't find proper concepts for it and it's like I don't know. If if I can't find a concept for something, sometimes it'll kind of die. But then sometimes it might resurge later in the future, which is kind of hard to explain. But I, I don't know. Some I just feel concept. And not even necessarily, you know, it doesn't need to be how I do, where it's like tearing open your third eye, where I wrote like a five-page story for a album. You know, it can be whatever, but I feel concept's important to an album. You know, sometimes I feel that context, like, I feel like concept, in a sense, is almost in, as important as content. Sometimes more so, depending. Right. <clears throat> and so I feel like that's um, that's what I've tried to do with every one of my albums. Uh, how successful <laughs> that is, I don't know. But um, among the thrift shop floor, uh, you know, the concept of the album was kind of someone going about, you know, just their day to day routine. It's really boring. It's can be it's whatever, it's just average and you know, maybe stopping at the thrift shop just to see if there's any like random electronic. And then kind of going in there and having like a transcendental moment while being at the thrift store unexpectedly. And the concept was kind of supposed to be, you know, beauty exists in all aspects of life, like even in the most mundane of situations. And it's just saying like, you know, a lot of the times we miss out on it because we're not, you know, present. But, you know, like, beauty exists all around us, like, if we're open to it, like, we're looking for it. And that was kind of the concept of the album. And then the reason that I had two different sets of uh, bonus tracks, um, so it was supposed to be symbolic of a fork in the road. Uh, so if you could visualize, like, you know, just that time in life when you could have made a left or a right. You could have chosen not to take a car ride or taken a car ride, you chosen to go to the store, or stay at home, you, you know, whatever. You know
0: that Hunter S. Thompson quote, right?
1: What's that?
0: Buy the ticket, take the ride? (laughs) Yeah. Oh. So, uh, I have have a question for you. Why did you name your project LSD? Um, Lucid Sound Driver.
1: Why Lucid Sound Driver? So, Lucid Sound Driver is honestly kind of uh, (laughs) a simplistic name choice. Um, So, I mean, obviously, it kind of derives from LSD, but I was really into, like, psychedelics at the time. And, not so much like psychs for being high. Like I used to be into that maybe when I was in junior high, but like I hit this phase in like my kind of early, like late teens, early adulthood, where I uh, <clears throat> I was really getting into psychedelics for like spiritual reasoning. Um, and I got really into a lot of like, uh, you know, artists like Aldous Huxley and stuff like this. And, <clears throat> and I, I was just really into it. I don't know, for like kind of a spiritual experience. Um, and that's kind of how I wanted Lucid Sound Driver to be like, from a sound perspective, I wanted it to be, uh, you know, like something somewhat transcendent that could give you an effect that was like, <clears throat> otherworldly. And so I'd picked that. And then I was like, you know, because to me, like, it stood for like, kind of more of a spiritual journey type of thing. But then I thought like, oh, well, we'll be doing, you know, some music elsewhere. And like, I'm sure the young kids will love that. Whatever. Like, I just figured like, there'd be people like, even if they weren't, into that whole thing that you know you get the oh LSD oh check that out. So I was like, yeah, I'll pick I want to do something with LSD. And I was really into uh <clears throat> three letter acronyms at the time. Uh I was really into this artist. Sorry if those cars are loud. Um no I can't hear it. Oh cool. Uh so I was really into this artist uh in particular casino versus Japan and uh I really liked just the C Casino versus Japan and I wanted to do something along that so I was like oh LSD three and It's funny, because Lucid Sounddriver is actually the first name that came to mind. Um, I was sitting there and thinking, like, oh, what could that be? And I was like, Lucid, Lucid. And then I was like, oh, I want it to be something, you know, relating to a computer. And then I was like, Sounddriver. And then I was kind of like, oh, well, I don't know if Sounddriver will work, because I was thinking kind of like an audio drive. But then I found out, like, there are some places that call an audio drive a sound drive. So it's kind of like, all right, like that's usable without being completely like off terminology-wise. So I picked Lucid Sounddriver and yeah, it just kind of went from that. And then uh, I had another alias that I did at the same time. Um, So again, so this is like my Vaporwave alias. Uh, And it's funny because a lot of people think the Vaporwave alias is called Sound Terminal and it's not called Sound Terminal because the first name is in Japanese. And I got a lot of people that tell me not to do this. And it kind of sucks because in hindsight, like, I really wish I would have listened because I was like, no, I want the first to be, you know, Japanese. They can figure it out. But it's funny because everyone thinks it says sound terminal in Japanese or something and then sound terminal in English. But it actually says virtual in Japanese and then sound terminal in English. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the concept was, uh, so anyone that produces, they know what a BST is. Um, it's like a virtual instrument. And so I was like... Uh, oh, VST, man, like the same as LSD thing. I was like, I got to think of something for VST. And uh, <clears throat> and obviously V is going to be virtual. And then I was like, sound, like, cool, I'll keep sound, because those will kind of be, you know, originally I was going to have them so tied together, but I was like, oh, that'll be the kind of correlating hint is sound. You know, they'll both have sound for the second word. And uh, and then I was like, all right, terminal, like, yeah, that works. And, and so virtual sound terminal, that became my vaporwave alias. Um. My first album I did is Virtual Sound Terminal. Uh, it's actually this album on Beer Wizard before that flop. And then uh, what's interesting actually is the only reason most people know Lucid Sound Driver is probably because of Virtual Sound Terminal, Is weird as that sounds. Um, so, do you know like Mel, uh, the owner of Elemental 95? Not by name. <clears throat> um, yeah, Mel. He used to run Bacon Wave. Um, I think he's who started the Vape Council elemental 95 they're 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 originally who had that box set uh that chris that phoenix 2772 is supposed to handle the vape council that like that's like the infamous fucking missing comp you know and uh but elemental 95 um before that had gone down mel had found uh i had done a song for a compilation on beer wizard his virtual sound terminal and it's so funny because like it's not even that great of a track in my opinion like i mean and maybe that's being hella rough but like I mean, in comparison to what I do now, Vaporwave, I just don't feel it's that grand. Um, But he messaged me after this comp, and he was like, oh, wow, this song's absolutely amazing. Like, I love this track. And he's like, you know, I didn't think it'd be bad, but, like, I didn't think this track would be that good. Like, this is exactly, like, you know, he was saying it was like, I think he said it was, like, his favorite track on the comp, which was really weird to me. And it was, like, my first comp ever. And I think that was before I had actually released my first album, Virtual soundtrack. So I was kind of like, ooh. And, uh... He was like, yeah, man, if you ever want to do a bacon wave session, uh, let me know. And then he added me to this group called the Vape Council and uh, the Vape Council. when that was still like relevant. Um, I hate to sound rude saying that, but I just, you know, the Vape Council died. And then there's like Vape Council, Ron Uncut, Vape Council 2.0. And they've all kind of they've none of them have ever been the Vape Council how it was. Um, but the Vape Council used to be like pretty. Hold on. There's a fight. A fight? Um, the, oh. vape, the the vape council used to have like, I mean, there used to be a lot of prominent people on there, I guess. I don't know. So what the vape council was, was essentially just labels and producers. So like, because basically at that point in time, all you really had group wise that I can think of. I mean, you know, I'm sure there are some sad post groups, but realistically, you had like um, you had vaporwave. Uh, fuck. What is that shitty group like vaporwave in your brain? Is that what it is? Mm, I don't know. I think It's like vaporwave dreams in your brain brain. That's like the famous like mm-hmm. awful Vaporwave group. But there's that. There's Vaporwave Cassette Club. There was like, you know, a couple sad posting. And uh and then there was uh the Vape Council. And you know, I'm sure other groups existed, obviously. But um well like generally speaking, like mm-hmm. um all the Vaporwave stuff was uh like most of the groups were public groups. So when you're kind of on there, you know, you're just talking to like, more people that are listening to Vaporwave, people that are into Vaporwave yeah many people that are like doing something in it and that's what was kind of cool at the vape council at the time is uh it was a group strictly dedicated to linking up with producers and labels so like people could talk with one another yeah and i had posted uh i made a post in there and i was like hey i made a album i'm curious if anyone would like to and gonzalo silva of uh no problema hit me up and he's like, yeah no problema tapes would love to check it out and I was like tripped out because I would never even hit up No Problema. Um, not like saying I don't like No Problema, uh, saying more so from a quality factor. Like, I mean, now I wouldn't be so worried, I guess, because I'm used to working with some labels. But at the time, <clears throat> I'd only released one vaporwave tape on Beer Wizard and one uh, solo album on uh, Is Lucid Sound Driver on um, Illuminate Paths. And I really wasn't anyone, you know, and so like I would never even hit up no problem because I'm like, oh, they're they're too big, you know, they're out of my league. And Carlos yeah. hit me up, I'm like, yeah, send this over. And so I was kind of like, oh, he's all the right. best, man. Um, I'll I'll actually I'll share a uh, hidden alias with you here. Uh, okay. Not a lot of people know this one's me. Um, Ooh, but wow. artist uh, startup sequences. Uh, so I did an album. Uh, what? I did an album on uh Atlantis Records called Commercial Parenting. What? and uh so this album was kind of uh so i don't know how to explain it startup sequences is like the exact opposite of lucid sound driver and there was like conceptual reason to it so lucid sound driver was meant to be like all original work no sample base i like get it, it's just all coming from myself creating something what startup sequences was meant to be is entirely sample based like there's nothing that's mine and so startup sequences was the concept of taking stuff that isn't mine and not adding anything and trying to recontextualize and create something new out of existing material. And uh, Lucid Sound Driver, like obviously people knew me as a guy, and so startup sequences uh, was Lucille, um, which was a female alter ego. Yeah. Out of the yin yang. Crazy man. But uh, this uh, this is cr- this is crazy, man. This uh, I was I was, so it's actually an album that's never released to this day. I I still have a CD sitting like right here for it actually. The promo CD, Um, but it was this album uh, called Life Sequences, and it's this ambient album. And what it is, is uh, side A is all startup sequences from different operating systems turning on, creating an ambient piece. And then side B was all uh, operating systems shutting down. And the concept to it, like I wrote this whole concept. I'll try to summarize it. Fucking Um, amazing. But the concept for it at the time was going to be an album where uh, it was supposed to be about a civilization. That's become so consumed with technology that it's taken over in somewhat of a parallel reality, though it somewhat mirrors ours um and the concept was supposed to be you know side a is like the rise of technology like basically when we're you know bearing the fruits from what we're creating and it goes up to the pinnacle and at the end of side a that's when we've kind of hit as far you know we've kind of hit the tipping point for technology, and side b was when we decided to push technology a little too far, and so that's when we ended up uh. Kind of getting a godlike complex with technology, and wondering how much further we could put push it into creating artificial life. And uh, side B was basically the destruction of mankind, kind of the downfall of technology. And so that's why its operating system shutting down. And the and, so the first of the albums very like ambient upbeat. The second is very dark, and uh, it was kind of meant to symbolize or er, symbolize the downfall of mankind. And then the end of the album was going to be. You know, at the end of this, there's basically a big war. And after the death of man and machine, essentially, there was like birth of a new organism that comes to the ground. And it's like part cybernetic, like part organic. And it was supposed to kind of be this idea that uh, kind of this war between man and machine destroying one another was an evolutionary step into transcendence. And then it was kind of like man created like a man-made evolutionary step in this. And that was like the ending of it. But uh, so that was what I was originally going to give to No Problema Tapes and i sent the album to him and gonzalo was like yeah i love this like we'd love to release it you know and so like right when right at the point when he was saying that they wanted to release it right this was right during the time when no problema tapes almost got sued because of that snow album by 2047 and then they almost got sued because of a uh, beta fish in the emporium that pizza album oh and so like dude these were fucking back to back like i felt so bad for no problema cuz Twenty Forty Seven had sampled this artist called like Sol, I think Solar Flare, and and he did a copyright strike, and so they had to take down the Snow cassette altogether, which I still have a copy here. Um, and then Beta Fish, before that release, an artist contacted and said, "Yo, fuck you," and he was going to do a copyright thing. So Gonzalo had to take the tape and redub all the tapes, which out a song on there because they got a copyright strike. And so I'm <laughs> at this point, this album I'm giving him a hundred percent sampled. And granted, they're very obscure samples, like, you know, the chances of someone finding a fucking Paul Stratton OS system. But I told <laughs> them, I was like, well, you know what, man, this album's entirely sampled. And I was like, and I know that you guys just had that whole run in with the copyright stuff. And Gonzalo is cool, because he's like, no, it's cool. Like, I think we'll be all right with it. You know, and I was like, no. Man. And I was like, you know what? I'm like let, me make, I was like, let me make you an album from scratch. And I'm like, let me just make you an all original album from scratch. And I'm like, and I'll contact you in a while when I'm working on it. It's like, oh, all right. And that was what Serenading the Indigo Child ended up becoming. That was like my first stab at a solid ambient album. Um, and I sent it over and Gonzalo was really into it. And he was like, yeah, you know, we'd love to release it. And uh, it's funny because it I, it almost didn't even release on No Problema tapes because I, uh, so originally the artwork I had drawn out because I hadn't, it didn't have this type of edit done t- to it yet and i had just drawn it out and i had done like mm. a pretty a pretty weak edit on um camp i have one of the original cds here that's entirely designed by me i can send you a picture of that i need to actually get to drew stevens holy shit i was supposed to bring that to him at econ um okay, i was supposed to ship it to him a while ago but i was going to bring it to him at econ i totally spaced out until just barely um <laughs> anyways the cd uh like, originally, Gonzalo wasn't down with the artwork. Like, he was like, yeah, I really like the album, you know? And he's like, but, you know, he's like... And he didn't really diss the artwork. Like, he was just like... He didn't like how it was turned out. And he he was telling me that they wanted to have someone else, like, illustrate it. Like, take the same concept. And they wanted to have, like, a professional artist illustrate it, right? And I'd gotten kind of, like, pissed. <laughs> I was like... I, and I got and it wasn't even like he was really rude. But I was just like, yeah, like, you know, we just want to get someone else to ink it. And I was kind of like, no... Nah. And I messaged him and I was like, what did I say? Because like, once I I said, I was like, oh, fuck. Because I was like, nah, like, I'm not down with that, man. And I was like, you know, and I was like, I know it's not the best drawing in the world. And I said, but that drawing like meant a lot to me. And I'm like, every like pencil stroke, like every erasure, like every, everything about that image is like me and it came from, you know, and it's significant to me. And I said, having someone else illustrate it, like, It's not the same thing. Like, it doesn't bear that same meaning. And I said, you know, to someone else drawing it, it's just someone standing in a doorway. And I'm like, they could care less about it. And I was like, it doesn't have that same meaning. And I was like, you know, I was like, this artwork's important and it means a lot. And I was like, and what did I say? And I was like, and if the album, and I said, if you don't want to release the album on No Problema tapes because of the album cover, then it must not be a good enough album piece on the label to begin with. And if that's the case, you know, I was like, I don't want to be rude, but, you know, I was like, if that's the case, I'll just take it elsewhere. And I sent this message and almost right after I sent it, I was like, oh, my God, what did I just do? Because I was like, fuck, like, no problem was like a huge label. And I would fucking have always been like, oh, I'd love to release on these guys. But I, you know, I was scared to even hit them up in the first place because I was like, dude, they would never accept my work. And then they accept my work. Like, yeah, we love it. We just want to change this album cover. And I'm basically like, take the piss, you know, I was kind of like, oh, fuck, you know, like I was like, I just fucked this over. Like, I just fucked over this release, you know. And then Gonzalo wrote me back, like, no, 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 like, we didn't mean it like that at all, you know? And he's, like, really liked the concept, and he's, like, I just think, you know, I could have more with it. And they're, like, please, like, we'd like to release this album on the label. And they're, like, even if we have to use this artwork as, as is, like, we were just suggesting maybe doing something with it. And then I was, like, oh, yeah, I'm, like, you know, we, you know, and then I was, like, well, yeah, I'm not against, like, editing it more and stuff, you know, and it explained that my first edit was kind of just a rough representation. And then I had sent them my edit, and then, no Problema Tapes worked on an edit, and they helped finalize that design for uh, the tape. But yeah, I mean, god, fucking long story. But like I said, it's weird, because most people only know Lucid Sound Driver because of Virtual Sound Terminal, because no one knew Lucid Sound Driver at all <laughs> in until Serenading the Indigo Child. And it was kind of weird, man, because I went from, like, fucking no one at all. And it's still weird with Serenading the Indigo Child, because every label i've ever hit up since then like i've only been rejected a couple times like i really haven't been rejected too many times from labels um yeah but what's weird about it though is like you know i'll contact the label because usually the way i tend to release with labels is if i happen to listen to the label and i'm like oh i like you know what you guys are doing in the artist and these tapes sometimes i'll reach out um or if the label contacts me Uh, which I'm slacking on two labels I need to release with. Um, But I I try to always make it a point that if someone actually reaches out to to do something with them, um, I don't know, because I I don't know how to explain that. Like, fuck, I guess I feel bummed sometimes when I reach out to people, and it's like, "Mm." So I guess I try to always like, I just try to pay it forward, I guess, in that sense.
0: Mm -hmm. When I read
1: you. uh, But, oh yeah, it's weird. Like, most labels I've hit up, because I'm always like, I'm still such a like, oh, I i'm lucid sound driver like i'm very like uh, like (laughs) a little meek whatever when it comes to hitting up labels but it's so weird because i'll be like yeah i'm lucid sound driver i don't know if you know who i am but oh yeah like i have serenading the indigo child on tape i love that album yeah we'd love to do something and it's really weird to me because it's like oh like yeah you know (laughs) i feel like uh fucking have you ever seen jingle all the way with arnold schwarzenegger yes you know that like end, like where it's like fucking turbo man he all points out to jamie like jamie mm-hmm. you know my name like <laughs> fuck man i was getting at a lot of econ dude that was the funniest i I feel like such an idiot when i go to those things because i'm like and i mean i guess i do all right that
0: no, was great it was great meeting you oh dude econ 2 off oh,
1: yeah.
0: oh i didn't know you were there oh wait
1: i was Did i yeah did no, we I'm meet at that one the, i'm saying it was off the chain i can't believe how crazy econ no and then i was just saying econ and econ 2 were both nuts but econ 2 is way fucking crazier for me like i don't know it's fucking as far true. as
0: people like knowing you
1: no as far as like what i got to do there like, i just because
0: yeah
1: so i don't know maybe this might have to be edited out i don't know but uh because you know you aren't put us on guest list right
0: right um yeah
1: and so went out there and we hung out with him like the night before, like, you know, we all, we met at the tape swap and we went out to dinner. Uh, it was me, uh, Corp, uh, Vapor, and uh, Telepath went out to like Chinese dinner the night before.
0: Dang. And
1: hung out. And then we, uh, and then we went to Econ too and hung out. And it was cool. I got to like run Corp's mer- merch booth for a little bit. Like <laughs> he, like he had to d- use the bathroom and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll watch this man. And it's funny because all these people are coming up buying Corp tapes from me, right? And they're like, oh, are you Corp? You know? And I'm like, no, I'm not, you know. <laughs> and, like, and Yort was funny because at the end of it, he's like, Oh, like, you should have told them yeah. He's like, and taking a picture with them. And then they just trip out and someone completely different comes on stage.
0: <laughs>
1: and so, you know, it was cool. We hung out with him for a lot of it. Um, you know who Donovan ikaru is, right? Definitely. So I don't know if you're aware, but he was the For the, for the at people Yon- who don't conference. know, who um, is he? How is he? Or who is he? Who? Oh, fuck. So Donovan Akari, man, it's weird because this guy, I feel, is like one of the most underrated artists in the entire scene because a lot of people talk like oh, all original vaporwave and stuff like that. And like that's what this dude's doing and has been doing, but it's like it's actual corporate music. Like it's not like, oh, it's got a sample sound like this dude works in a corporate office building and makes corporate office music. Like it's fucking as vaporwave as it gets. Um, <laughs> he did the, uh, he did the famous, uh, the fucking God damn it. Um, the corporate mixtape with cat Corp. Uh, mm-hmm. and it came with a board game and like a little Chinese doll and stuff. Uh, he was cool, man. I saw Donovan just to let people know how cool Donovan Hikaru is. I saw his only concert he's ever done. I believe it's the only concert he's ever done, which I wasn't aware of until econ two. um, it was in Arizona back in like 2015, something like that. Yeah, 2015, Arizona went out to a uh, pure virtuality. It was a uh, Grand Turismo 98, ID Chief, Balance, mm. and Donovan Hikaru. Donovan Hikaru is a meta genius. Because, genius, you know, a lot of people mm-hmm. try to do pre recorded sets and make it look like they're performing on stage, right? You know, I like, get people that do like a performance. Yeah, for sure, show. man, all the time. This dude. Went completely the opposite. So he brings in like an office desk, right? Like it's like a glass office desk. I don't know if that was there. If he brought it in, but I believe he brought in the glass office desk. Has like an office chair, brings in his computer, has like, I believe he, I think he had like a picture of his wife. Uh, there was like, I think there were already <laughs> plants there. So there's like office plants going on here. Has his keyboard and all this. And he comes in his corporate business suit with an 80s yuppies face, like a cutout from a cardboard thing that he straps over his face. And I kid you not, this dude literally hits play on his iTunes playlist. So, And it's all original, like, Vaporwave stuff that he's done. But he hits play of all his music in a playlist. And it's not even, like, synced together. Like, he did it that way to where it's just, like, a playlist. And he hit play on his playlist. And he sat back and he role-played an office workday. And he literally sat there through his... That's the the coolest
0: thing I've ever fucking heard. Oh, my God. He
1: kicked his shoes up on the desk, Right. And he's just bobbing his head like he's just vibing real hard, right? And then out of nowhere, he'll be in the middle of vibing. And then he'll like launch forward and start like typing like he's doing like office work. He'll like launch forward and like take a business call and stuff. And he's sitting there. He literally fucking role played. He, he LARPed like being in the office. And that was his whole set is he just fucking sat through a playlist and did nothing except vibe to his music in a fake office environment. that's so
0: cool man so he's he hasn't played any shows since you said no i I, I think that
1: was his only show uh, to my knowledge and uh it was weird man because i was so fucking high at this time Mm -hmm. and i've been drinking and stuff and like this dude comes on and i'm like oh yeah now it's so fucking shit about it i have the shortest clip from it of like literally a flash thumbs up because i had i so i thought i was recording him the whole time right on his set and then I hit pause in the recording and I hit record again and I finish recording it, right? Well, I get home to check out the footage. It turns out I had like never hit the record button the first time, right? So I'm not recording him the whole first time. When I hit the button to pause the recording is when I was recording. And then when I hit it again to start, it stopped the recording. So I have like a one or two second recording from this concert. The only proof of its existence is, uh, there's like a live stream of it that exists somewhere, and like someone made a gif of me dancing there. So I was like, I was like the only person at this concert. Like it was so empty. Is it was at a a game bar? And there are people playing games. I'm the only person on the dance floor, just like getting down, having a good time.
0: Yeah. Oh my god.
1: But I mean, anyways, going in that, that must guy, have been
0: magical. Holy shit.
1: He he's a, he's a genius, and I think he's super underrated because. He does corporate Definitely. office music. He does like Hawaiian style music. Um, If you ever had a chance to check out uh, two albums I would check out, it was his, adhes- his Adhesive Sounds cassette release, the Business Travel Bonanza, which is probably my favorite album of his. And uh, nice. it's my company. I can fly if I want to. Like, yeah, he <laughs> he's super good. Like I said, I think he's the most underrated artist.
0: Because
1: um, yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of great artists, but uh, most great artists get recognition. I feel like this is one of the few... People that I consider great artists that like a lot of people just I don't know, I I just never see him mentioned much. And even a lot of people don't know the that that are like, oh, I'm huge corp fans, and they're like, the corporate mixtape. And I'm like, what? Like, that was, (laughs) but anyways, digressing from that, uh, he was at Econ too, and that was cool. So when we were there, I got to see him. Shit, I
0: didn't get to meet him.
1: Um, you might have, he's kind of a kind of a bigger guy with glasses, bald, but he, uh, I got it was kind of cute i got pictures of him and corp together like holding each other's phones to each other's ears nice but uh it was cool i got to see him because we've only met once, so that was our second one. that was cool to okay um, yeah yeah yeah. i got to hang out with dds and stuff um you know and james was cool like we <laughs> we took a picture we swapped each other's sunglasses photos uh and then i got to hang out um it was cool i ended up getting to go backstage uh so i guess i was supposed to have a band that let me go backstage or something and i hadn't gotten it i don't know but your your ended up bringing us backstage and uh that was fucking really a trip dude like i got to hang out uh with george a bit and stay what up with him we talked about vape cartridges and he was telling me that apparently 311 has a weed company out in uh california okay and he's saying he was like Puffing on 311 branded cards And I was like, that's so tight, you know? <laughs> nice. Uh and then you know, I got to hang out there. I got a piece of the econ two cake. That was kind of cool. Um, but dude, it was fucking badass actually. I got to help uh Jeff set up for the televape set. Nice. Cause like I saw Jeff like running around backstage, like looking fucking manic. And so I'm like, hey man, like, do you need help? You know? Because he looked like he was stressing. And he's like, Yeah, come with me. And so I'm running around with him, and we're trying to find these uh so we had those like the blue lights, but there was supposed to be another set of lights that were color changing and we couldn't find the remote for those lights anywhere. So we, he ended up having to scrap those and not use them. And so we're trying to find a bathroom to put on this dude's costume and we end up like we find this toilet in the backstage. We go there and it's such a tight spot. It's like one of those single shitter bathrooms where it's just a single toilet. It's very cramped, right? Yeah. So Jeff's like in there. art studio. Yeah, you know, and so we're trying to, like, because Jeff's, like, getting undressed, and I'm, like, trying to help get in his suit and, like, costumed up. And so, you know, it's, like, that very, like, awkwardly kind of close setup. Like, that a funny. <laughs> yeah. We got it set up, and uh, I started uh, wrapping Christmas lights around, and then taping those up with tape, and then, like, kind of covering the ends to make sure they wouldn't poke him. And then zipped him up at the end, like, after we got all the lights. And it's funny, because if you remember at Econ 1, how he had that little tuft of hair coming out of yeah. it. yeah. It was so funny, dude. It was, uh, like, I laughed because it, it was the exact same thing for Econ too, bro. I kid you not. When he zipped it up, that little thing came up again. And I was like, here, man, <laughs> fix that for you. And I, like, unzipped it. And I, like, pushed his hair under and I zipped it up for him. There you go. But, uh, yeah, it was cool. Shout and out to you. No, it was cool. Like, cause I've never helped anyone set up for, like, <laughs> like, costume-wise, you know. So, that was kind of neat. And did that. Um, holy fuck, man. I got to talk to Telepath about his costume. I thought... Dude, that costume sucks. Holy shit. Like, Why? So it's made of like silicone and it's got like gill slit in it to like make it more breathable. But it's like, so it's not breathable at all. He was telling me the designer that did it, like hit him up and was like, yeah, I can do this design, you know, design a costume for you. But she works in silicone and like silicone's pretty uncommon for like clothing. So the whole thing's like a silicone based costume. She's saying it just gets hot as fuck. It's like putting on like a rubber suit, you know? Yeah. But uh. Yeah, and like we hung out there, left Econ too, and then we uh the next day, dude, it was a trip. Like I got invited to breakfast with Eyeliner and uh Donovan Akaru. And we were just gonna chill and hang out, you know, because I guess Donovan I think I think Eyeliner put Donovan on his guest list. And so like I'm thinking it's just gonna be this breakfast with Eyeliner and uh and Donovan, right? And so like I'm like, yeah, can I invite some people? And I invited a friend Mr. G, and um oh my god, why the fuck? Uh Manny. God, fucking horrible at name. Um and they came to the breakfast, and then out of nowhere, man, all these people start showing up. Like FM Skyline shows up, and Christ shows up, and like yeah, those with them. And then I think Dan Mason popped up, but I think he like was at a different table because ours was full. Uh, fucking. And then out of nowhere, because I because I was telling yort to come to breakfast the night before, he's like, "Oh, we won't be able to." So we kind of said our goodbyes that night. And then out of nowhere, Yorn and Telepath walk up to breakfast, and <laughs> so we hung out and fucking i sat next to telepath in new york with jess and we talked and stuff and it was cool i got to thank telepath in person for mastering jess and mine's album that's uh going on here Ith and uh you know we got to, we k- k- kind of got to talk exclusive and-
0: information
1: oh yeah <laughs> um we uh it was cool we got to just kind of talk about like i i don't know <clears throat> like i don't fan out too hard uh at least i try not to when it comes to meeting people but It was really cool, man, like, just meeting all these artists, like, fuck, you know, like, it's like I said, I mean, I'm an artist too, like, whatever, you know, and, but I feel like a lot of the artists that I got to meet and hang out with, like, these are like people that have really helped shape my sound in one way or the other. Like, these are like artists that have done something that have been like, oh, like, you know, if I could create, if I could create this sound, like, I I would like to create something in this field. And it was just cool, like, getting to fucking go out and eat, have breakfast and chill and fucking hang out, like, I don't know. It, it was weird, man. It's it, super cool. And then I got proposed to on the way back from LA, and that was nuts. By your
0: so your fiance now?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I guess I shouldn't say girlfriend anymore. I'm not used to saying fiance. That's weird. Fuck. This is the first time I've said fiance. That's Congratulations. Oh, man. That dude, that was such a crazy thing. I feel so bad because the I almost didn't get. Oh, fuck. I didn't even not explain this. This proposal almost fell through hard, like super hard. Um, so apparently my girlfriend, well, my fiance, God, that's weird, man. I'm not going to get used to fiance. I don't think, I think I'm just going to, my fiance, uh, that's weird. Apparently he'd been trying to uh, propose to me like all summer long and it kept falling through. <laughs> and, uh, and so when she found out about electronic Con two, and we decided we were going to drive through Vegas, she planned out this whole thing, like a couple months in advance. And uh, it was cool, man. Like, so my girlfriend, and I, oh, God, my fiance and I, <laughs> When we first, uh, when we'd been dating for a while, like we'd been dating a few months and we went out, uh, she was going to go to Vegas by herself. And originally it was going to be a vacation where she was going by herself. And then like, right when, before she was going on the trip, like the week before she was like, Hey, like, would you come out on this trip with me? If I, you know, paid for you to come out? I was like, yeah, like, <laughs> why not? You know? And so I hit up my boss and they're like, Oh yeah, cool. Go have fun. And so I went on like a 10 day vacation to Vegas, which that's so long in vegas 10 days but uh yes and that's what's funny with my work i gave my work like less than a week's notice and they're just like yeah that's cool just leave work for 10 days
0: yeah crazy
1: um we went out to vegas and it was actually fucking really shitty when we went to vegas because we went there during the uh, mass shooting like i think the mass shooting happened like the second or third night we were out there damn i think it's the second night we're going to see this artist uh Fuck with it. Oh, yeah. Jess wanted to go see like marshmallow at some clubs. I was like, yeah, sure. Like, uh, that's cool, you know? And we went to see uh, marshmallow, whatever clubs inside the wind. And like, we went there and the show was canceled. And I'm like, well, whatever. Let's just go on the strip and get food. So I just walk out and I'm just going to wander down the strip. <laughs> and then, like luckily, Jess is smart and she's like, well, why don't we go inside and kind of see what's in the area so we're not just wandering? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And we go inside and we get groped so hard going inside of this building. And I'm like, what is going on here, man? And because at the point in time, we don't know about the shooting or anything. And then my grandma's messaging me like, oh, my God, are you OK? I'm like, what, dude? Like, what's the problem here? And Yeah. Come to find out about the shooting. And it was fucking awful. Like, that was turning into like, I'm like planning out escape routes throughout this hotel and flipping over a granite table to crawl underneath a bench. And like, it was intense because you're hearing all sorts of misleading stuff. You're hearing it's ISIS and you're hearing that there's multiple shootings. You're hearing it's confirmed there was a shooting at the Bellagio. And, you know, you're freaking out. Uh And you want to know what's really fucked up about that? Like, really off topic, but (laughs) I kid you not, the next morning, so we stayed at this place called The Lynx that was kind of awful. And, like, The Lynx was actually really cool. They had great security, but the problem with The Lynx is they have a fucking DJ that comes out like, it's 8 in the morning, I'm gonna fucking bump by the pool next to everyone's room. And so, like, it would suck, dude, because, like, we're going out clubbing every night until super late, and then we get back and trying to sleep, and then the way this air conditioner's worked out, it's like it's kind of taking the really muffled sound from outside and kind of working like a small cupping your hands like a speaker so you wake up to just and it's like oh god dude we get up go to the pool and i kid you not one of the first songs we hear yeah i didn't think anything of it jess ended up pointing out (laughs) i kid you not this is the day after the mass shooting this dude plays all my friends are dead wow the uh, system And I'm sitting there, and Jess is like, isn't this kind of weird that they're playing this right now? I was like, God, dude. Like, (laughs) fuck, maybe maybe check your playlist. And then I kid you not, right after that, it might have even been the same set list, but there was, like, someone else right after that, and they played these songs throughout the whole time we were there. Later that day, someone played Tonight's the Night Like We're Gonna Die Young. Like, like, Jesus Christ, dude. Like, it's like biggest mass shooting, and we're gonna play Tonight's the Night Like We're Gonna Die Young for the fucking crowd. But anyways, going away from all that fucking really sorrowful stuff uh next to the links there's the tallest ferris wheel and it's like 514 feet and when we had first gone out there i really wanted to ride it i was like dude let's get on this ferris wheel this is badass and jess was like afraid like no like i'm not down with that you know like i'm afraid of heights i get anxious and i was like oh like that sucks like whatever right you know maybe some other day and so jess remembered this from like two years ago and when she found out we were going to drive through vegas she called up the ferris wheel thing And set up this, like, proposal VIP thing for it, right? And so, like, and then I had that cancer scare. And it was, like, I wasn't even going to go out to Electronicon, too. Because I was, like, fuck, I might have cancer. I might be dying. And then I was, like... And then I kind of hit a point where I'm, like, you know what? Like, even if I do have cancer, like, fuck that. I'm fucking going out to this show. Like, that's stupid. And I was, like, I'm not going to fucking... You know, if I'm going to have something that's life-threatening and I might not make it super long, I'm not going to fucking sit at my home the whole time and it's like you know i want to have at least one more memorable experience where i can go and fucking meet people that i've talked to for years and, like, meet a community that i've been a part of for so long and it's like fuck you know if, if that if, like if that's the last thing i get to do then like whatever but i want it to be good and it's like if i'm going to go through chemo whatever i don't want to die here you know and so i
0: remember you telling me that yeah
1: and so uh we went out to econ too and we're kind of behind getting into Vegas. We get into Vegas super late and I'm like, I'm cranky. I'm like baby cranky at this point. Like, eh, like I'm like, not, like, I'm not like pleasant at all. At this point, when we're getting into Vegas because I've been up, um, like I was just up a, a bit the night before, like I didn't sleep well and I was already really tired. And then I was helping navigate the whole time. So I was just like, oh my God, like when we started hitting Vegas, I didn't feel awful in the drive but like once we got to vegas it's when i realized how f- tired i really was and then i started to get pissed because i was like this is fucking dumb dude like i'm so fucking tired and we just got to vegas and i'm like passing out and so like i'm not even in a good mood i'm just like fuck i just want to get in the hotel room like this sucks and then we're having issues getting in the hotel and getting in the parking and we're both stressing you know we get in the hotel and it was fucking the dopest room i've ever been in did just booked a room on the 57th floor of the Cosmopolitan. Dude, we had a terrace outside with a bench and you like, got invited to go smoke out on the terrace like overlooking all of Vegas next to the Bellagio. Dude, we had a living room inside of the hotel room. It was nuts. But uh, <laughs> we get there and I'm like, oh, this is tight. And I'm just like blazing up in the room. And, uh, and Jess starts getting ready. And she's like taking a while. I'm like, you know, I didn't know that she's trying to prep all this stuff and get like all this stuff together. And I'm just like, dude, you need to hurry up. And I'm like, look, like if we're going to go outside, do something like we have to go, dude, because I'm like, I was, I just saw I'm like, I'm hitting that point. Like we don't go soon. Like I'm not going. I was like, like I'm hitting a a hard wall. And we go out and she was trying to get me to go to the link so bad, which is the hotel we'd stayed at before. And I told her the whole drive to Vegas, I wanted to get the saxophone slushy alcohol. She's like, they have the saxophone slushy thing that you wanted over at the links. And and it's funny because she's thinking that it's going to get me to the links, right? And I'm like, I don't even want to drink right now. Like I don't feel good. Like I need food, you know? And so we're walking the strip, and she's like, I remember they have great food over by the Lynx. And this is funny because this should have been a dead giveaway. Because even I'm thinking, what are you talking about? Because she's over here trying to tell me how great this food is at the Lynx, right? Last time we were in Vegas, she complained about all the restaurants by the Lynx. Like, there's like a Guy Fieri one that I wanted to try out for, for the sake of trying out a Guy Fieri restaurant. And she was like, not down with it, right? So I'm sitting there kind of thinking, what are you talking about? Because I know you didn't <laughs> like the restaurants over there. And we're walking by the strip mall in Vegas. And I'm like, no, like I want fried chicken right there. Like I wanted to get it last time we we're in Vegas. Like, that's what I want. I need fried chicken. She's like, all right, so we go and get chicken. And we're on like a time crunch. Like we're supposed to be there like 15 minutes before. And it's probably like 30 minutes until at this point. And we still have a little bit of a walk. And these people like messed up the order, did something. So they gave us twice our order on a tray. And so we have a ton of food. So I'm just like chilling, and eating, you know, and Jess is like, yeah, we should go. You know, she's trying to go and I'm just wanting to hang out and eat. And then we get out and she's like, yeah, let's go over by the links. You know, they have the cupcake ATM over there because that was like a big thing for us when we went to Vegas first time. Okay. <clears throat> and it's like a 24-7 ATM that serves cupcakes. And she wanted to go to the cupcake ATM. And I was like, oh, well, let's check out this store first. <laughs> and, she, and we're on a, dude, it's probably like 20 minutes till at this point, you know. And she's like, well, no, we'll come back to the store after, you know. And I'm like, what are you talking about? The store is going to be closed after. The ATM's 24-7. Like, why don't we just go to that after? She was like, look, man, like, we got fried chicken. I want a cupcake, all right? And I was like, <laughs> all right, that's fair, you know. And so we walk over to the link. And as soon as we get to the links, she's like, what would you think if we rode the Ferris wheel? Right when she says that, oh, I can't ride that right now. She's like, what? I can't ride that right now. I'm having a panic attack, you know. And she was like, well, I mean, I can get a really good deal on it right now. No, like I'm having a horrible panic attack. I've been having a panic attack the whole time we've been on the strip. And I was like, there's no way I can write that thing right now. And I was like, maybe like, you know, some other time like fuck, but I, I just can't right now, you know, and she's booked a proposal VIP thing that we're supposed to be like at by this time. Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, I can get a great deal on it right now. And I'm like, well, you know, just a deal. Can we get the deal tomorrow? Maybe, you know, and she's like, no, the, the deal expires after tonight, you know? And I was like, oh, well, fuck, I- I'm sorry, babe. Like, I just can't go on it, you know? And she's like, well, here's the thing, you know? And she's like, I kind of already bought tickets." ticket. And I was like, what? You know, she's like, I already bought tickets for it. And I'm thinking it must have been something at the hotel because I had gone to take a uh, use the restroom when she was checking in. And I thought it might have been one of those tourist <laughs> things because, you know, how they have the people where you can get the tourist things. So they're like, hey, 30 bucks, you can do this, you know? And I thought it, it must have been something like that. She was saying it was something with the hotel. And I was like, why would you, why did you have the tickets already? Like, why wouldn't you bring this up with me? Like, oh my God, I can't do this. You know, like, I'm freaking out. But I'm having like a hardcore panic attack. Like I'm about to like, like that, like I'm about to bolt panic attack, you know? <laughs> and like, and I'm like freaking out. And she's like, want me to go on this? And I'm like, dude, there's no fucking way, you know? And then this dude behind us is like, hey man, do you guys want our tickets to this ride? Like we're not going to ride on it. And that kind of like pressured me like probably 30 feet forward. Cause I'm like, no, we already have some. I'm having a panic attack. And that guy, like, probably anxiety pressured me going 30 feet forward. And then by this point, we're, like, getting to the Ferris wheel. And I'm like, look, like, I can't ride this. And Jess isn't really paying too much attention to me. Like, she's just kind of focused on, like, looking for this building that we're supposed to check in at. And she just keeps on, well, yeah, we'll just, let's just go on it. will be, you know, she's just kind of like, no, 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 let's just do it, you know. And and I finally, like, sat down. I'm like, look, like, you're not respecting my feelings. (laughs) I was like, you're not respecting my feelings right now. I'm telling you, I'm having a panic attack. I can't do this. You know, like, you're not listening to me at all. You know, like, please, I just need a, a moment. And like, I'm so upset It's Like, I'm at this point, I'm about to break down, like, I'll pay you back whatever this ride costs. I'm sorry, you know. And then like, finally, it hit a point where it's like, dude, it's like five minutes until we were supposed to be there 15 minutes before. And she's just like, all right, look, like, I guess if you're not going to ride it with me, like, oh, I'm just going to write it by myself. And she like, and that was kind of like, fuck. And so she starts walking towards the Ferris wheel building, you know, like she goes in the door and then I'm just kind of like sitting there on the sidewalk, like, fuck, you know, I have to go. And so I go through this building and we get in there and they're acting surprised to see us, you know, and they played it off well. They're like, oh, there's only two of you. Like, okay. You know, and they had all these tickets with them. And I'm thinking like, what the fuck? And I'm thinking like, did I, cause I was thinking maybe it was like one of those where it's a minimum, it has to be eight people to go on this or something, you know? And I'm thinking, like, what the fuck? Like, did my girlfriend just buy, like, eight tickets so that no one else could ride this with us? Right. Like, and uh, we get there. And Jess is like, well, you know, what do we do if there's a if we have a panic attack on here? Is there a way to kind of help if we have a panic attack Maybe speed it up? And they're like, oh, yeah, there's a big red button inside the thing that you hit. And that will notify us. And they'll speed it up and get you off of this thing. <laughs> complete fucking lie. That was a full on lie <laughs> just to get because I was like, you know, because that comforted me we got on that thing i looked everywhere for a red button there was no button on that whole fucking thing but uh i thought that was just funny you know that was kind of oh yeah there's a big red button no worry (laughs) and so they let us get drinks luckily they let us use the restroom before we got on this thing because i'm like i gotta throw up go in the restroom do my thing get out get drink and we're getting on this ferris wheel and they give me a bluetooth speaker and they tell me to just link up to it and then we're getting on this globe thing and they put in a little disco ball and I have this bleached speaker. And then they had a photographer come in. And even again, the photographer seeming kind of weird. But I'm thinking like, oh, like all these must have a photographer. Like I would think like most groups of like drunk middle-aged women like, look how high we are. And it's like, yeah, let me take some pictures of you girls, you know, like girl girls night, whatever, you know, I figured. A touristy thing, like I, there's probably people that take pictures of this because I'm sure there's group parties that want photos in that.
0: It's LA, like, or it's, it's Las Vegas, right? Yeah, and so yeah. I'm not
1: thinking much of the photographer, but then there were, like, some chocolate strawberries, so then I'm, like, uh, and I'm thinking, well, oh, this must just be a really intricate date at this point, you know, and we're going up, and this was actually, I think, like, the most, like, what really made me almost, like, break down on this ride. So, 100% by coincidence, 100% by coincidence, I put on a... You know Telepath's uh, other project, Trinity Infinity, right? Yeah, a little bit. You know that, like, remember the blue album that was released on No Problematics?" It's like with the couple, like, standing on, like, the broken highway.
0: Oh, uh, okay.
1: Um, so that was the first album that I ever showed Jess in the whole Vaporwave scene. Uh, I showed it to her on our first date. <clears throat> and the second song on that album, the uh, song Close to You, has always been our uh, anniversary song. And so I happened to just put on that album because I was like, oh, it's a relaxing album. I like it. Sentimental, you know, nice date album. And we're riding right to the top of the Ferris wheel. And I kid you not. So right when we're hitting the top of the Ferris wheel, Close to You comes on because it's the second song. And that song comes in like right when we're starting to get to the top. And right when Close to You comes on, Jess like sat me down like, hey, you know, come sit down real fast. And. She pulled out a box and I'm like not thinking anything of it at this point. You know, I'm thinking like, oh, like anniversary gift or something, you know. And then fucking she like pulls out this necklace, starts talking, and then out of nowhere she just like dropped the proposal question. And I was like, I think I was uh-huh. like silent for a moment. I think I was just like, Of course, you know, and like and so I gave her a big hug and we kissed, you know, and then she put the necklace on me and then we just, you know, kinda hugged and all that for the rest of the thing. But it's real sentimental, you know, to have our anniversary song come on, like, right at that particular moment when we're hitting the top. And she, w- to she wasn't a part
0: of that. Pl- of, like, that wasn't planned for her, right? So, no, crazy. No, that,
1: that, that was entirely, like, just because I picked that album and the time happened. Yeah. But, yeah. I was, <clears throat> and then it was weird. I won't lie. At that point, because i would kind of calmed down a bit on this ride. And then between the, I'm super tired, because dude, it was weird. When I was on the strip, I was already like swaying around and I hadn't even had a drink. So at this point, I'm like super tired. My alcohol is kicking in. We're 514 feet in the air. It's our anniversary song and I just got proposed to. <laughs> I remember I stepped to the edge by the globe and I thought I was going to pass out for a second. <laughs> I like, walked to the rally and I felt myself like I was going to like fall over. And then Jess, you know, kind of came over and gave me a hug. And then that kind of like brought me out of that. Like, I'm going to faint it was an intense uh thing and it was just so crazy cuz it almost didn't happen you know and it seriously happened at the very last minute it could even possibly happen is like probably the most monumental like way i could ever think to propose like, you know cuz most people like to dinner or going on a hike or something you know and it's like this is like an intricate remember what i wanted to ride 2 years ago but you were afraid to ride so you book it vip for the proposal package you know it's like fuck it just was like really all out you know but it's been really cool and then uh it's so romantic. And then you want to know it's actually kind of ironic about it. So our album that's releasing on Yornt's label, uh 27th floor. Um so it's kind of ironic cuz uh the album that we're doing is Past Refraction. It's called 27th floor because when we were staying in New York, the floor we'd stayed on was the 27th floor of the hotel and that was where the kind of concept for that album arose. And uh it is kind of ironic that we stayed in the 57th floor in Las Vegas. So it's kind of like still, I mean Three decades up, but you know, just the 27th, and now we have the 57th. So I was kind of joking and saying that could be, like, our sequel. <laughs> but we're going to go very uh, non-traditional at the wedding, because neither of us are, like, any based religion. So we're going to kind of create our own ceremony around this. Like, obviously, you know, a, a binding ceremony, but we're going to create our own ceremony. And um, instead of taking... One or the other's last names. We're actually gonna change our last name altogether.
0: Oh, that's cool.
1: And we kind of looked at
0: it. I've never heard of that.
1: I don't know. It was kind of my idea. Um, cause I don't know. Like I feel it's kind of that. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. You know that expectation that like a woman's supposed to give up her last name or a guy's to give up their last name. And I, you know, I feel it's weird to kind of place like that gender role on either person. But then I also like I'm not into hyphen last names. I mean they're not awful, but like our last names are very bad hyphen. I mean, it's like Jack Murphy Lee or Jack Lee Murphy, and I was like those both sound way too Bible Belt. <laughs> like I, I, you know what like, I just Murphy Lee or Lee Murphy, like it feels very Federate. I I don't know it. it I just don't like it. Um,
0: Have you decided on a name?
1: So we're actually debating between them right now. Uh, I'll kind of go on that, but. Yeah, it, it was just kind of the idea that it was a symbolic metamorphosis of creating something new and it's no—it's not having to give up any of ourselves for one another and it's not having to take on someone else's name. And it was the idea that this is kind of, you know, it's also like kind of abandoning like past heritage and tradition that you feel bound to by family. So we kind of felt, you know, it's kind of a way like we don't need to hold to like our family's traditions and things like that. And this is kind of a a symbolic representation of like starting fresh, like creating our own our own heritage, like, creating our own traditions, like, creating our own kind of family unit, you know, and creating something that's unique to us, you know, and choosing a last name that we feel, you know, suits us and feels like how we view each other and how we view ourselves. And, you know, uh, so you might laugh a bit. Um, I like it, though. And so, I mean, um, so we're both, like, big Lord of the Rings fans, like, just tokens works in general. Uh, But we're actually we're actually going to do something um, probably in Sindarin, which is like an Elvish language in Token's world. So, like, very interesting with G.I.R. Token. Um, so he's like a linguistic uh, master, right? Like, like, that's his specialty is, like, language. And he actually created all these unique languages and apparently, like, the main reason for the creation of Lord of the Rings and the world Arda and, you know... Because if you weren't aware... Mm. I thought Lord of the Rings is the huge thing. dude. Lord of the Rings is like the smallest fraction of all the history of this world. This dude's created like it's really Whoa. nuts if you if you're not too familiar with it.
0: I know he did the that the one like simulacrum or something The
1: or the Simularian, yeah, or Simurilians. So, so that one's weird. I think that's done by him and his son. Like I think that was what he was. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that was the book that he was writing when he passed away. And his son, like, finished it or something. Ah. But yeah, um. so that kind of goes into a lot of stuff, like history of, like, you know, the creation of men and creation of elves and, like, shit, like how wizards are acting in this world and stuff, you know? uh. But so it was interesting because apparently the reason this dude created this whole fictional world is he wanted to have somewhere to use his language that he had created. Like, he created all the languages mm-hmm. from Lord of the Rings, and I think... What the fuck is it, dude? It's, like... I think they said there's at least 11 languages in the series. There could be more, maybe a little less, but I, I want to say something like 11 languages. There's a lot of different languages, and he created all these different languages, and he used like, different rules from all these different languages around the world to create unique, new languages. And he literally is just like, oh, I'm going to make a whole fictional world so that there's somewhere for my language to exist in context. And so, uh, yeah, we're going to pick something from like the Elvish dialect that translates to like, a meaning that we both like
0: yeah that's awesome man that's just so fucking cool
1: i'm I'm excited for it it's weird <laughs> i'm I, I never thought i'd <laughs> i'd be married i've always been one of those people that i've never really i liked marriage as a kid and i've always been you know one of those kind of anti-marriage proponent people where i'm like oh yeah like, i, I don't need too. to get married like what's the point of paperwork and it's like you know if we love each other like we can have a lifelong relationship without having to have paperwork you know saying that it's like you know And it's like, it's not like ownership. And it's like, I feel like a lot of the times in weddings, once people like get that marriage certificate, it's like, whoa, now I'm going to be a fucking dick because, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel there's those personalities. It's like fucking get them, get them, get them. It's like fishing or something, you know, and it's like, fucking that marriage certificate's in the boat. And it's like, you know, and I've always just been kind of, there's no need for marriage, you know, like that's stupid, like the fuck tradition. And then it's like, yeah, you get married. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It can be expensive and all that, but. I I read you. So we don't have too much time left. We've been talking. It's been a great conversation, man. Like I'm learning so much. You're such a cool, interesting person to talk to. Um, Do you, is there anything you like want to talk about? uh, Like on this interview, like maybe some of your other records or like your production process?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll go back to my music. Look, I, I feel like I talked about among the thrift shop floor, which I hate. (laughs) nothing else uh yeah so a lot of my <laughs> okay, work go, go over and, your other stuff quick oh fuck so a lot of my other stuff um fuck i wish i could do a whole write-up for each one of these stupid albums i shouldn't call my work stupid uh so i don't know um like i said i get real like self-depreciative on my work uh mm-hmm. i don't know like a lot of my work it, it's a constant up and down when i first make a project i'm like "Ooh, that's sick i like it i release it couple months go by i digest it it's like oh my god this is horrible and then i learn a new <laughs> technique and it's like what the fuck was that you know and it's weird i honestly don't think i've ever released anything that i'm like oh this is it Like, there's always something This is the one like, you know even serenading the indigo child like there was one song on there that i was like dude fuck this song it's getting alpha here but then it was like 12 <laughs> minutes long and it's like, fuck, that's going to really mess with the album. And then I was like, I kept it on. And it's weird because that's like the one song that I get the most compliments on. And I'm like, I fucking wow. hate that song. I can't hear the buzz. And they're like, what are you talking about? It drives me insane, you know? And it's like, <laughs> like every song, I hear everything wrong. And so it makes me like fucking hate it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is trash. I feel like I've disrespected the label. I feel like I've disrespected my listeners. I'm like, this is shit. And it actually sucks because it really fucked with me releasing with labels for a while. Uh, Because it's really weird, man. Like, I get a lot of love from labels. Like, labels are all like, oh, we love you, man. We'd love to work with you. But, like, listener-wise, like, no one really gives a fuck at all. Like, (laughs) I have albums that have been out for quite a long time. And, like, fuck, I have a hard time, like, selling, like, 30 tapes a lot of the time. Uh, And I don't know. it, It really, like, I don't know how to explain this it kind of messes with me mentally because I hit this point where I feel like the music must suck to a degree because it's like, it's, no one's listening or I've got no feedback and there's a lot of tape. So I just take it as like, oh, well, they just must suck. And then I get this kind of deal where it's like, I feel like I've let the label down and I feel like, oh, like I need to apologize to the label. And then I hit this point where it kind of made me like not want to release with anyone. Cause I was like, well, you know, like I felt like, fuck, I'm like doing labels a disservice. Because so it's like, fuck, this dude puts all this work, you know, into making a release for me. And then it's like, fuck, won't even sell 30 tapes. And it's like, I wasted this person's funds and times. And they could have found an artist that fucking had a good album to put out and not fucking wasted their time on. And so it kind of, it really messed with me for a while as far as like, even contacting labels. I still kind of have a hard time with it. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know how to explain it. Very up and down. <laughs> I, I kind of get over the music thing sometimes. Sometimes I get real depressed on it because i feel like fuck like i don't know it just sucks like i don't i don't know how to explain it it's not i don't care about tape sales or any of that it's more so i just care about fucking letting people down like that's where it messes with me and i feel like i let the label down and i feel like i let listeners down and then it's just like uh and i try to get out of that mindset um
0: i think you're all right man like your newest record sold out the the seven inch it's a seven inch no it's a it's a lp it's a 12 inch yeah never never mind even then
1: it's just like fuck. I, I, I don't know. It's just weird. Like I mean, and it's one of those things, and I try to remember, like, fuck, you know, I know there are people out there that listen to it, and it really trips me out, man, because I've gotten a lot of people to like support me recently, which has kind of thrown me off because a lot of people write me out, out of the blue talking about an album that I fucking have hated for like a year, and, like I love this. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> thanks, you know. And you know, it's weird, like uh, econ was kind of weird for me. Like, oh, you're a lucid sound driver. Like, I had some people ask me to autograph stuff and it's like, (laughs) why? Like, fuck, I guess. Like, let me fucking fuck up your inlay for you. Uh, Yeah, I didn't, I would have brought
0: shit too if I knew you were gonna be there.
1: No, it was, that was really kind of weird to me. Like, especially I had someone like, yeah, if my friend knew I was talking to you, he'd freak out. It's like, man, like, I would disappoint your friend real hard, man. I suck. (laughs) I I don't know. And maybe it, I, I feel like that a lot of artists must feel that way because, it's really weird to me man people are like you're so sick bro I'd love to meet you and it's like dude I fucking suck eggs man like <laughs> I feel like it'd be a real disappointment cuz I I feel like cuz I feel like I do this with artists too cuz I have people talk to me like yeah what synths are you using what you, you know and I picture people think like this real immaculate like studio setup and it's like all real nice and it's like dude if I sent you a picture <laughs> of how I'm making music right now it's so haggard it's like I'm sitting in a fold out chair with a MIDI keyboard, a 49 novation, like, just over me, that's just plugged into my computer, that can barely even handle making a song, like, fuck, I get, like, 18 tracks in, and the computer's about to crash, and it's like, (laughs) my speakers suck, it's just funny, like, I just feel like, I I, I feel like it would be a a big letdown, uh, for people that do look up to my work, to, like, kick it, because I feel like it'd just be that, like, man, this dude's just, like, boring, like, fuck, like, yeah, check this out. Let me I don't
0: think so, man. I don't know.
1: Let me show you these video games, bro.
0: <laughs> PS1 games. Fuck
1: yeah, dude. Sit there and like Yeah, it's cool my girlfriend like puts up with my shit. Cause it's funny. I mean she allows <laughs> sounds me sounds like...
0: like a cool lady.
1: She allows me to dork out on a lot of stuff, man. Like I'm like, yeah, you know, like really like getting into the VR. Like, go oh, to the VR, I gotta split you know, oh that's cool. Like, yeah, check out all these PlayStations I have. Like, nice, what are you doing with those? Like, I'm gonna solder them. Oh, cool. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm like now I'm going to start collecting Beavis and Button stuff. Look at all these Beavis and Button VHS. It's like, oh, that's nice. Like, it's just, I, I don't know. I guess it's because, like, with my deal, I noticed, <laughs> like, I had someone comment on Facebook, but I kind of go all over the place with, like, oh, this is sick. Oh, this is sick. And then it turns into, like, too many hobbies. And, you know, yeah. lucky, lucky I have someone in my life that supports that and, like, doesn't make me feel belittled by that. Um, but yeah, musically, I guess, uh, fuck so a few things i want to say so to people like wanting to get into producing like biggest thing i'd say to anyone wanting to get into producing is straight up like just do it up, just get i feel that was my biggest hang up um i mean fuck i've always wanted to make music my whole life i i used to play piano a bit when i was young um and then i quit that because i was like oh piano's for nerds you know I that <laughs> it's like oh i hate reading and i secretly gotta read a book uh, but got out of that, um, you know, I played bass for, well, I played guitar for a bit. I wasn't really getting into guitar, so I uh, moved over to bass. I played bass for a little while. But, you know, it never slap went the bass. Yeah, slapping a bass. Uh, you know, I'd just go into, like, I'd kind of dink around with myself. Like, not dink around myself, you know, in a weird way, but dink around, like, playing. And it would never go into anything. I never had a band. Never met anyone. It's like, cool oh, band, bro. And so... That kind of died. And then, you know, I got into electronic music and I was like, oh, that's cool. It's one person. You can kind of just do this. And fuck, I wanted to make electronic music probably since I was uh, 14. And I was just like, oh, well, I don't know what to get. Like, I always scared myself. Like, well, What if I get this and I don't need it? Well, What if that's the wrong device? Like, that's $200, you know, and I sat there <laughs> and I was always like, oh, yeah, the constant, constant
0: struggle, the constant debate.
1: Well, and that was like the whole struggle to get started is like, what if I buy the wrong thing? Well, what if I don't like it? And then I hit, I'm trying to think how old I was. I think I was like hitting like, I think I'd hit like 21 or something, something like that. And I hit a realization that I was like, fuck, if I don't do this now, it is never going to happen. Like I had that realization. I was like, if I don't do this right fucking now, I'm just never going to do it. And I'm going to be 30 something Mm -hmm. years old. I'm going to be like, God, I should have done this. (sighs) And I'm like, I can either like grow up to hate myself or i can just fucking whatever it's 350 bucks who cares drop the money i bought that chaos later thing and and it fucking sucks like i sold it i don't need it anymore but the thing is i sold it i made my money back and so it was like it was stupid for me to have this fear of like oh i shouldn't buy this equipment cuz if i don't like it it's like fuck i resold it and i made my money back and it taught me a lot of stuff and it's like yeah granted i don't use it now and it wasn't what i needed like i was correct in assuming that it would be the wrong piece of equipment but it was the correct decision like it taught me things that were fundamental that you know still have helped even how i perform live you know like my live performances are similar working to what i got used to doing at the chaos later how i would perform live on that and uh mm. and you know and i and that honestly even kind of pissed me off cuz it was like wow I could have been doing this for years. It's like I've sat here in my bedroom and just been like, oh, and listened to artists and been like, that'd be nice to do. I wish I could take that song and change this and do this with it. And it's like, and it was so like, wow, it was the easiest first step. And it's been amazing ever since. Like, you know, I, I know I talked about how, you know, I, I, I hate a lot of my music and I, it kind of frustrates me sometimes, but that's not to say it's not. Pleasure, pleasurable, or beneficial, and it's like, yeah, like I do get stressed my music sometimes. Like I do hate what I've done, but it's not always necessarily bad either. I guess, like in a sense, it is a driving force—the hate that I have towards my music, <laughs> because it turns into like it's not going to be like that. I'm like, I'm gonna fix this, you know. Like I hate that sound. I'm gonna find out what I fucked up on, you know. And and it's kind of that motivation to like it needs to be better than this, you know. Like I I can do better than this, like. Yes, this is coming along, but I'm like realizing small things. Cause I feel when you first start making music, you know, and I feel that's why people start to hate their music. And, and I guess I should say this too like, just the artists that are producing and are like, oh, I suck or whatever, like, just keep doing it because you will, yeah, you will get better. Um, I mean, like, I'm, if you want after this interview, I'll even share it. You can put it on the podcast. I'll share my very first song I ever made and you can hear how just awful it is.
0: <laughs> you know, we'll play a clip of it right now.
1: <laughs> oh, if I, I, I will, f-
0: and then now we'll cut it back in.
1: Yeah, I will. Uh, I will send you a clip for it. Yeah, I'll. Uh, but like I said, I mean, everyone should just keep it up because it will get better. But the biggest thing is just doing it because it's like fuck. It it's just so easy to find a million excuses as to why you shouldn't do do it. And you know, it's like I don't know. I feel everyone's their own worst critic, their worst enemy, and their own biggest deterrent you know and I think everyone yeah for it. sure um in relation to like I'm just trying to think of all the questions earlier in relation to um how do I come up with concepts for album songs in general um it kind of varies a bit uh so sometimes I'll have a conception for like a project that I'll come up with and it'll sit on the okay. back burner for a long time because the music that I met that I'm making or the stuff that I'm creating doesn't feel like it's meshing with that conceptual idea Yeah. So sometimes, and that is actually a problem because as a lot of people that know me in the scene can say, like, I've had a lot of amazing ideas that have never come into fruition because I just can't get it. You know, I mean, I think the coolest product that I had in mind that came into fruition was probably the t-shirt album that I did. Um, But, you know, like I've had ideas for doing like full storyline albums where it's like getting, you know, artists together to like tell stories through albums. Like, kind of creating like visual uh like you know ideas of uh i had one for a while where i wanted to create a comic book series album series to where every album was a comic book and it came with a limited edition book um you know or the idea I've been, i'm trying to actually work this one i'm talking to people now to try to get it a bit but i'm trying to work a, a virtual reality walkthrough project that is kind of a walking simulator in a, similar to lsd dream emulator but it's vr and you're uh and it's creating a uh, I'm down, yeah. It's kind of like a musical interactive thing. Um, but sometimes concepts come from songs. So sometimes I'll make a song. And a lot, a lot of times where concepts will actually come from that, that is probably a big, strong one is a lot of times I'll make a song and I'll listen to this song just over and over while I'm making it. And it's weird. It's never really like planned out or methodical. It's just there'll be this one instant where one note will hit and I get an emotional like something hits me where it's like oh like that's how I feel emotionally when I hear this that's a concept and then I start I I take like that root emotion of how I feel in a song and then I start kind of building structural structural ideas around that um but what's interesting too is like a lot of my written stories for albums are usually one-off writes, like that I've done on the spot um so generally when I do my writing I try not to take pauses when I'm writing a story So a lot of the time, like when I wrote that five page story for section nine tapes, like I wrote that all in one sitting. Um, And what happens when I go in and write a story, essentially, I'll create a concept in my head of like what a story could be. And I basically I just have a backbone idea going in my head. And then what I do when it comes to writing the stories, once I have like an idea of what I wanted to be and kind of what the story will loosely be, I'll listen to the album and I'll just start writing what comes to my head at that point in time. And then. You know, obviously, I try to proofread it, make sure there's not too many grammatical errors. But yeah, that's generally how stories, concepts come to when it comes to tracks. Uh, As far as how I do music, it's usually... um, So I use Ableton Live 9 Suite, which I'll tell anyone buying Ableton Live. So I'll say this for one. If you are using Ableton Crack, I would recommend buying it because I think it's a lot nicer not using a Crack version and just having all the full features to it without any weird hiccups. Yeah, Um,
0: you can run updates and whatever.
1: The thing is, it's like... Ableton's always constantly updating so when you crack the program you have to basically because I used to do cracked Ableton and it wasn't bad and I, I did some work on it but then I was like oh I want the real thing because if I'm gonna you know take music seriously then I want to have like my own software you know like I want to do it by the book um, and I got this software but the thing is Ableton's always updating like you always get some updates and uh, the thing is when you have a cracked version, you have to shut off all internet access to Ableton. So you have to go into your internet settings and make sure that like Ableton's blocked from sending out information or receiving information from the internet. Because if you don't, then Ableton will find out it's cracked and you know, you'll know you end up getting barred. But uh, <clears throat> if you go this route, like that's essentially how a cracked version works. And it's just a hassle. It's kind of, I don't know. Um, but I use Ableton Live 9 Suite and then I have uh, what's called a Novation Launch Key MK2. It was like Novation's Launch Key. It was their second model. The, the big difference on it really was originally they only had yellow, green, and red. Uh, they only had red, yellow, and pad. And on the updated version, they did uh, multicolor, so you could assign any color you wanted to to the pad. So that helps me out a ton in performances because I, uh, so when I live perform, um, it's kind of a mixture of trigger performance with uh, keyboard performance because there's some songs, I mean, it's just impossible to, you know, say like hit four synths at the same time. And yeah. so what I do in some sections <laughs> is like, I normally have it mapped out to some degree, like I, I try practicing my songs at home for a while live. So I know how I'm going to do it to a degree. It's always somewhat improv. But how it goes out is I start out the song with the keyboard. I'll record that loop and let that go. And then say I'll bring in like a I'll bring in like a trigger loop for like one of the effects that I've created for it. And then I'll come in with another one of my keyboards. And then once like three keyboards will hit, I'll trigger those three while playing this one and then transition to drums. And it kind of works that way. It's nice with the MK2 because I can section it to where, say, like my drums are always in red, my bass, my mids are yellow, like any effects are going to be blue, and like I can kind of color coordinate it to where I can look at my keyboard and know what I'm doing without having to rely so much on the screen. But I would not recommend just using this keyboard for performance. It was awful my last show, so I want to get a six four pad thing to trigger loops on for my thing. Because uh, on nice. so how to explain this on my MK2. I think it has like eight rows across, but then it only has two rows down. So where it gets a bit complicated is, say, one of the loops I want to trigger is on the second row down, and then another one's down on the fourth row. So what I have to do is, like, say I trigger this loop and real fast before it triggers so I can get the other one, I hit it so it's set to trigger, and then I have to jump down two rows super fast and hit the other one to trigger it. So it's kind of this issue where I have to jump between the rows, like, not left to right but I have to go up and down and that becomes somewhat problematic when I'm going into a long set and what happened is I had my finger because like I said when I do it this way so I have to essentially hit a button to trigger it jump down a few rows and then hit another button to trigger it so that they work at the same time and I was doing that and I'm like in the middle of this performance and it's right at this transition and I go to hit the button to jump down a row well they have this thing right next to the play and stop button on the controller I kid you (laughs) not I'm like about halfway through this set everyone's vibing i'm vibing i fucking hit stop mid performance so it like goes like boom and i'm like oh fuck and i I almost threw up like right there i almost threw up on my keyboard then i was like fuck, what do i do what do i do and i just hit down a low uh i hit a low on my fucking bass and i'm just sustaining this e and like i had to sit there because what happened once i hit stop so like as i'd been doing this live set I had been changing the tempo in Ableton. I had been adding all these effects and stuff. So as soon as I hit stop, it basically reset all of that. So it like changed my tempo. It changed everything. So what I had to do is I had to sustain this E note and I'm going through and changing the tempo and I'm trying to trigger everything back to how I had it before I hit stop. And then out of nowhere, I'm like, all right, I think I have it. And then I just waited for a moment and then transitioned back into the song that I was going to transition to. And it went smooth, you know, and like, It was funny because no one knew I fucked up. Like, I told everyone, like, I fucked up so hard. And people were like, where did you mess up, man? Like, how didn't you hear it? Like, I stopped the whole set, you know? Like, fuck. I was like, yeah, I didn't realize that, man. I just thought that was part of your transition. No.
0: Yeah. People, I remember, yeah, people always say that. Like, I I never know.
1: Right. Well, and I think that is a thing with some shows sometimes. Like, one thing that is kind of funny, though, is now that I produce, I totally notice (laughs) when someone messes up on stage. And I'm like, oh. Like, I saw the Crystal Method perform, right? Obviously, you know who the Crystal Method is, I presume. Yeah. So, I was watching the Crystal Method perform. Musicians
0: out. can tell. but A lot of people can't.
1: Well, no, what was crazy, man. Like, this tells you how professional this guy is. He was doing a DJ set, right? And he's trying to, uh... He's trying to set up his other controller to transition. Dude, his controller won't work. So, he's sitting there, like, getting pissed off. Like, smashing his controller... Because it's going way too long on this one transition loop to go into another song. And like, right. kid you not? what he decides to do? So he takes the controller that won't loop anything, right? Or he can't like get the loops to work. And what he does is he stops the loop on the current track and he just starts fucking scratching the shit out of the table. So it's just... And he's sitting there going crazy on the table, right? He reprograms <laughs> the other one that had this loop on it that was supposed to like shut off. He reprograms it to go to the song that he was trying to do on the other table transitions into it so smoothly and i was like holy shit and i was like that's a professional there man wow oh but yeah other than that um crazy oh so i guess some other things i should probably bring up so lucid sound driver is actually going to be killed off sometime in the near future oh um i'm glad we got this interview in (laughs) uh so (laughs) i kind of scared some people because i told them i was killing lucid sound drive and they're like nah
0: on to the next chapter
1: and they're like, you know, don't remove your albums like, you know, and I was like, well, I'm not intending on removing any albums. It's just one of those things I feel like, uh, I don't know, I feel like I've grown past Lucid Sounddriver, like even as a moniker to a degree. And, you know, I feel like Lucid Sounddriver, at least how I'm viewing it now, is was like that was kind of my my alias to learn production. Like Lucid Sounddriver is what I started when I knew absolutely nothing. And it was just like we're winging it. And I feel like, you know, I'm starting to come to a point that I'm more comfortable with my music. Um, I feel the newest unreleased stuff I've been doing is probably my best work to date. I'll, I'll share, share it with you after the interview, but, uh, sweet. Um, and so I feel, you know, there's a few things I do want to do with lucid sound driver before I finalize it. Um, like I'm doing something with, uh, you know, channel address, I presume.
0: Oh, Hans. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'm doing something with him. Uh, we're kind of discussing that right now. Uh, fuck. I've been trying to, uh, I have a couple labels I need to release with. um, that I told him I would and I want to fulfill those commitments. Um, like I said, just a few commitments I want to do. There's not going to be too much more under Lucid Sound Driver though. Um, I'm going to retire it and just create a new mm-hmm. alias. Awesome. I can't go too far into it. I'm yeah. kind of good at names and stuff, but I have, uh, I have been talking to Yorn lightly about it. Um, so we're going to see what he thinks of the new project. Mm-hmm.
0: Idea cool, man.
1: And kind of see where that goes from there. And I feel, you know, it might just be nice to have a, new start. But uh as I'm not sure how many more things. Um we'll see. I, I'd say probably 3 or 4 more albums and maybe two more collab. Cool. But I'll keep you updated on that. Yeah, do it. I think you'll like the new stuff though. It's pretty uh it's pretty cool. It's a lot. It's a lot more uh, I can't think of the word here. A bit more vapor trapish, a bit more cyberpunk. Uh still has like the ambient stuff in it thrown in, but it's a lot more beat driven, like a lot more melody going on, like more variations, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Bit of a rhythm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I will say, ooh, one thing I will say to some producers, a big thing that helped me out in music as a whole, I would actually recommend this to anyone that is just trying to make beats and they're like, this sucks and they can't make it feel dynamic or anything. Try making ambient music for a while because that's what really improved my sound design as a whole. Like I used to suck. Like all my synths used to be really whack. Everything used to be garbage because I was trying to focus on too much at once. I was trying to focus on having something melodic. I was trying to focus on something heavy bass-wise. I was trying to focus on dynamic drums.
0: Many instruments.
1: Yeah, and it was just, it was too much. And so it was kind of nice with Ambient is it allowed me to just focus on synths. I didn't focus on drums, lightly on bass, but it was more heavy emphasis on like, I'm just going to create clean synths. And it taught me to layer, like it taught me how to properly layer. And that, oh my God, that's another thing I want to say to producer. Layer, 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 layer. I didn't used to utilize layering at all when I first produced. Like I was like, oh, like, yeah, that's whatever. And when it really struck me, the power of layering is when I went to a symphony that my brother did at at his high school. And when they would come in and they'd layer it in and you'd get this more dynamic pulse with it. And I was like, okay, like it, it was kind of a real time example of it and yeah that's a huge thing i'll say to people is layer up because i mean it it, it will trip you out like the difference in a sound just layering the same instrument you have twice and playing with the effects slightly on one and leaving one clean like it's it's really weird uh but yeah focusing on ambient music only for a while really helped me with music as a whole because once i got used to designing synths and creating a full sound palette just with synths it taught me kind it taught me how to blend and it taught me how to layer and then when I started moving that over into drums, basses, that sort of thing, I mean, it's it's still not perfect, you know. And I still have a lot I want to learn. It's as far as music goes. Like I'm, I still suck, honestly, you know. But I, I, I shouldn't say it in a ho- horrible way, but I mean, compared to where I want to be, I'm still not there quite. Mm, but yeah, but it has gotten a lot better. And like these techniques that I've been able to learn, you, making ambient music, have all transitioned into actual beat music, and it's stuff that you know, I would have never thought was really relevant to making beat music, but it all techniques all kind of tie together. Um, Oh, one more thing I want to bring up in case any artists want to do this. uh, I guess they can contact me. I don't know how to. uh, (laughs) So this project I was bringing up earlier. um, So I ended up coming up on this on accident on Facebook Messenger while I was on acid. Uh, This artist Balan, I was like frying really hard at my house and i had been doing live improv performances and i wanted to show this dude this live improv ambient thing i'd been doing right and so i did a facebook call with him and what i did is i made my i turned my mic basically into my record playback so he couldn't hear me talking on the mic like all he could hear was my music and so i call him and i start doing this live performance right and i'm recording all these loops and it's getting really weird and then out of nowhere i keep hearing this like wee 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 what the fuck is that noise? Because I'm like, I know I didn't make that sound, you know? And I'm like, what the fuck? So I'm like silencing every single thing in Ableton. Well, I realized what was happening is I was recording all his sound that was coming through while I was playing live. So basically, anything I was recording live for like a melodic loop, if he made a sound on his end, it would pick up on my on my computer. So then once we realized that was going on, it started getting really weird. And it turns into this deal where... So what I do is I basically... That's crazy. I contact an artist in face call, and what I do is I just let them start making noise. So they can talk or start clacking cans or whatever they want to do. And then what I do is I record them in real time, and I start live sampling them while we're having talk. And then I start adding my own instruments into it. But then what's weird is you get a natural kind of uh, feedback delay. So what happens is the sound projects from my end going to their computer. But then it gets picked up from their microphone and it bounces back to my computer. And then it bounces back out to them. So this whole time I'm doing melodic stuff, it's bouncing from my computer to their computer and back while I'm working with that. And I mean, it gets very... <laughs> like, I'll have to show it to you sometime in person because it's kind of easier. Like, once you hear it, you'll understand what's going on. But it yeah, was weird that's, as fuck. that's we, trippy. We found it out. And I think we spent like two hours doing that. And I ended up like, I hit a point where... I started fucking with me because I couldn't tell if I was making the sound or if he was making the sound. And it got to a point, I think I had like 40 audio tracks up all just with different loops going on. And, uh, I ended up like face palming it, or face planting into my keyboard for a bit. And the dude's like, yo, are you all right, man? And I was like, yeah, dude, I just need to turn this off. Like I got to go outside, <laughs> but it kind of, it kind of spawned a new project. So I've, I've done it with a few people. Um, I was doing one with Mindspring memories a bit, uh, and that kind of. I don't I, I need to contact her actually about that again um I had done one with balance I had done one with uh actually kind of sad. do you remember that Kyle Colian kid that had passed away yeah i I was doing one with him that still exists on my computer um and then this artist I'm Copab I was doing one with but. oh yeah, I know him but yeah if anyone wants to uh do that project, feel free to hit me up it's pretty easy I mean you honestly don't even need to. <laughs> make music to be a part of this project like it's literally good.
0: how do people hit you up what's the best
1: way uh fuck i mean you can contact me anywhere facebook's probably what i'm on most uh yeah i mean you can contact me either on the lucid <laughs> sound driver facebook or jack murphy facebook and twitter yeah wherever i mean if you contact me i'll <laughs> i'll set it up but it'll probably be a facebook call i will do it where i'll do it because that's the only yeah place i've mastered it yeah but yeah, um, yeah. Cool, man. Project. Well, I'm. I, I don't know if you can tell. Oh, hey! By the way, did I ever? Did you? Did that QR code ever work for you?
0: I d- remember I said I couldn't find it. Oh fuck! Let me. Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll double check my suitcase again. But I was gonna yeah. say
1: I can. I can send you the website link too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll send it. To it you. Would, would have been cool though.
0: Yeah, everybody. He, he was giving out cards with QR codes on them that link you to records. No, it was a uh, neat idea.
1: Yeah, it was uh, this t-shirt company, um, you know, God, fuck, I'm like dissing this clothing company. This clothing company my friend runs called Unified Clothing. uh, They asked me to do a t-shirt design with them because they know I do graphic design. Um, And we were kind of working it. And I was like, well, this kind of sucks, you know, because they're like, yeah, it'd be the LSD design thing. And I was like, well, like, I'd like to figure out a way to do an album with this. Because I'm like, if I'm a musical artist and we're doing a t-shirt, like, it would be cool to have an album, you know? And I was trying to think of ways to incorporate that. Like at first I was like, I guess if you buy the shirt, you just download an album or something. And then uh, Jess and I, we were at this club. Um, we were at this club and like, it was right when I was messaging this company about the t-shirt design, right? And right when I'm talking to these guys, uh, they scanned our QR codes to get into the show, like for the tickets. And it kind of hit me. I was like, whoa, like, I wonder if we could put a QR code on a shirt. And so I... Uh, and so I asked the company, I was like, hey, man, I was like, you guys think you can put a QR code on a shirt? And they're like, yeah, man, we could probably do that. Let's try it. And so uh, they made a mock QR code and we scanned it and it worked. And so I was like, fuck, yeah, let's make it an album T-shirt, man. And so the way they did it, I think we made 10 T-shirts and they uh, it's got a, the graphic on the back and then it has the LSD XUFCLO on the uh, chest. And then at the bottom left hand, it's got a little QR code. And basically if you scan the QR code and you type in the password, which is Unify in all capitals, um, it pulls up an album and it's a it's in um offline download. That's why or, I couldn't find a card. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh <laughs> it's uh it's like a five and a half hour album that I did for it. Um I released the first hour publicly, so anyone that wanted to hear that, they could actually find that on my Bandcamp, because that's the only place it's released that. But I released the first hour publicly. And then the other four and a half hours were just if you scan the QR code. And you were wearing the shirt. Yeah. And like, I figured, because I was like, fuck, I didn't, I don't have any tapes or like CDs. I don't have anything to hand out to people. And I didn't have like the little nifty Bandcamp printouts. And so I was like, fuck, I'll just do the t shirt, man. And I was like, (laughs) anyone can scan the QR code that wants to. And it's like, it's kind of like a portable business card in a sense. You know what I mean? And it's kind of nice, you know, because obviously at the cons, they're not letting people bring in, like, tapes and all this stuff to promote. So it's like, fuck, it's my T-shirt, man. I'm not going to take it off.
0: Yeah, no, that's brilliant, man. But yeah, I was saying, I'm getting a little sleepy. It's, like, almost one thirty for me. Uh, that sucks. Yeah. So do you, is there anything you really want to get out
1: there? Um, I just want to fucking throw some shout-outs to all the labels I've worked with. Um, I mean, I hope I haven't left anyone off this list i don't think i have i believe i've mentioned every label but i just want to you know i, I don't want to take up too much of your time so i don't like name drop everyone but i want to you know just shout out to all the labels that have worked with me um i want to thank anyone you know that's listened to my work who supported it you know especially anyone that's got a tape like that's fucking nuts to me like the fact you would waste your money on my <laughs> on myself you know it's always it, it's still weird to me um but, you know i, I want to thank anyone that supported it you know, even so much as listening, giving negative feedback, like that's cool, you know. And you know, I just want to shout out like all the artists that I've worked with. Um, you know, like honestly, like I've had so many labels reach out to me and I've had so many cool opportunities and I've had so many opportunities to meet amazing people and work with amazing people. And, you know, I just hope everyone knows that I don't take any of that for granted. You know, I've appreciated every every single bit of it, you know, and mm. it's still weird to me. Like like I said, I've still <laughs> can't get used to it but you know i just want to thank everyone and you know thank you guys for having me on this that was cool i don't think i've done a i don't think i've done an interview in like three years something like that
0: an hour for each year
1: yeah right no it <laughs> it, it was really cool it's cool kind of talking a bit i wish i would have talked more about music instead of other stuff but you know whatever <laughs> <laughs> now people know the real lucid sound drip
0: yeah i know it was awesome <laughs> well i'm sure we'll do something again in the future so yeah for no sure worries. man
1: yeah whatever like i said um also i still have to send you a copy of that one album uh if you want to send me an address i'll figure that out uh, oh for sure but if you want to talk more on that uh that here i release at some time. um yeah once that's actually out you know feel free to let me know sure for sure man I mean, yeah, and
0: I'll like, you know, we're going to exchange some messages, but I'm going to go to bed. No, you're good. I'll talk to you tomorrow.
1: No (laughs) worries. I'm I'm
0: continuing after this.
1: Crack another beer. Have that. I can eat my. Nice. And and then probably go to bed myself.
0: Yummy, yummy. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, shoot. Have a good one. Stay safe. Have fun. Stay. Thanks, man.
0: I'm sorry for cutting it off.
1: (laughs) No, you're good, dude. (laughs) Fuck. I would sit here and talk till fucking the cows come home if someone didn't. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you're so
0: but you're so interesting to talk to you have so much cool knowledge yeah i don't know it's awesome <laughs>
1: thanks well, I, be I well. appreciate it.
0: tell, tell jess i said hi and congratulations once again
1: hey thank you i will
0: okay take it easy brother later buddy peace wow what a crazy informative information packed filled episode lucid sound driver virtual sound terminal Thank you so much for coming on the show. It was an abs- absolute blast, man. It was so fun. And I hope everybody else had fun, too, and learned some cool things about OG Vaporwave and PlayStation One ga- Japanese PlayStation 1 games. <laughs> um, we're going to leave you with some songs by Lucid Sound Driver. But first, don't forget to subscribe to the Private Suite podcast so you can get notifications when a new episode drops. Also, check out our website, privatesweetmag.com. There's a whole bunch of cool stuff there. We have issue 10 coming out soon. Uh, Definitely check that out uh, when it does. And if you want, check out our Patreon, because we have a whole bunch of crazy stuff going on for the Christmas holiday season for our patrons. A bunch of goodies, a bunch of giveaways, contests, quiz. we got a quiz out right now. You can fill out to win this locker with a whole bunch of crazy shit in there inside of that locker i know what's in there there's some crazy there's one thing man it's it's crazy uh so anyway check it out uh you can also leave us a voicemail 412-44-VAPOR if you want to say hi or give us shit or ask us a question or ask us to ask an artist a question or tell us to have an artist on the show whatever you want uh we welcome everything (laughs) Okay, here's the music, guys, and as always, take care and all the best.